Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome into Hoopsville. Yes, I said good afternoon. Welcome into Hoopsville. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. It is a Thursday afternoon. It's a lunch break for everybody. We are back on the air after the marathon last week. Apologize for not getting on the air Monday. Uh, you may have remembered when we were listening to the marathon on Thursday, I mentioned uh, my son was ill, uh, surprisingly, on Thursday, uh, home Friday. My daughter was home Friday as a precaution as well. They had a half day anyway. Um, the illnesses uh, continued through the weekend, shifting from my son to my daughter, and um, it wore us out, for starters. And second of all, I think I took a glancing blow. Uh, Sunday, Monday, and even Tuesday, I was not 100%. Um, and a busy Saturday probably did not help. So as a result, and to be honest, I had to take my daughter to the doctor on Monday, running around doing some other things. Monday's show just wasn't going to happen. Um, so I, I apologize. Uh, we certainly wanted to be on the air. There was lots to talk about from the weekend. I'm not even sure I'm going to be able to get through all of it, to be blunt. Um, but anyway, um, we didn't get on the air Monday. So there, there, there it is. Um, I even had to postpone a doctor's appointment, if that makes you feel better, um, that I was supposed to have on Monday. So, which is why we weren't going to go Monday afternoon, which, interestingly enough, we're now going Thursday afternoon, though we kind of saw this one coming. I have basketball games to call tonight. Uh, and as a priority in the last, I think this is the second season of that priority, I don't think it really came up to be last year, or if it did, we did something different. Um, if I have a Thursday conflict now, we're going to try and do something different with this show so that I can still um, um, make the, the, the work on Thursdays uh, happen. Um, so there you go. That, that's the biggest, biggest reason behind that. So that's why we're on the air here this Thursday for a quote-unquote lunch break. Uh, thanks for tuning in. If you want to interact with us, you can join us on Twitter at D3Hoopsville or use the hashtag Hoopsville. We are streaming the show on, on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Still not able to stream on YouTube we continue to work our way through, um, be honest with you, some bull um, copyright issues. Um, the automated system, I guess, is triggering on something that the NCA has given us and we've used for years, and we're working our way through that. I don't know when that'll be solved. Um, you will be, probably be the second to know because we'll finally figure it out we can stream, and we will stream through there. But I want to thank our partners at Blueframe Technology for the streaming capabilities, not only on your computer, but also via uh, their streaming app on the Team One Sports Group. So if you if you have like Amazon Fire, Roku app, um, Apple TV, or any Android system, look up Team One, the digit one, sports, Team One Sports, and just download that app, and then you'll find a channel named Hoopsville. And you will see not only our current shows, but our archived shows as well. And check them out. That's how you can watch us on the big screen, as it were. Yeah, or any other way you watch through an OTT. And, of course, we're also available online. Uh, also through Team One Sports. If you go to teamonesports.com slash hoopsville, then you will find us there as well. And, and basically the same setup as the OTT. A um, couple of notes. First, we figured out the email problem. Turns out... Probably my fault. I think when we had the problem last year with the D3 Hoops version, Pat Coleman and I got to the bottom of it, and I may have forgotten that Pat, in simplicity, I think changed it off of D3 Hoops and just went D3 Sports. 
I don't remember, so I can't tell you if that's what it was. But basically, hoopsville at d3sports.com will now get to us. Use that. It's a little easier for us to understand uh, where it's coming from. Hoopsville at d3sports.com is the best way to get to us now scrolling at the bottom of your screen also wearing the d3 hoops polo i forgot i hadn't worn it this year i meant to wear it about a half a dozen times kept forgetting to do it of course I want to thank everybody there uh, ryan coleman pat coleman ryan coleman what am i talking well ryan coleman's part of d3 photography we get a lot of our pictures through d3 photography certainly should thank ryan now that i think about it uh, that Freudian slip was probably purposeful pat coleman ryan scott and gordon mann I want to thank those guys for their contributions uh, some of them you just never see, and I appreciate it nonetheless. Uh, our fundraiser continues. We will tweet out and uh, add it to face uh, our, our Facebook stream here momentarily, the link to our PayPal donations link. Yeah, I was redundant there. Um, our total, as you see, is up to 2300 If my parents are watching, thank you for your contributions. Uh, I've been meaning to call them and probably will today as I race to that other basketball event tonight. i got a doubleheader to call tonight between two different programs or two different schools, but that's a whole nother conversation. Um, so we're up to 2,300, about halfway to our goal that we want to reach by February 16th. Um, little hint, we're then going to double that goal by the end, by March 1st. Um, it, it's audacious. Don't get me wrong. Maybe not double, maybe a little under double it, but um, it's audacious. Yes. But uh, lots of you have asked how you can help us continue our efforts with the show. This is how you can do so. Um, we've had a couple on that donation thing. We have a couple of options. You can also supply your own option. And many of you have, and I appreciate that, including some of you out there who sent us 2020 during the marathon. That was funny. $20 and 20 cents. Um, and, and, and Jeff who, uh, sent us, uh, 15 cents to get it up to 35. At one point he wanted the number to look good, but then another donation came in immediately and squandered that chance. Anyway, um, so that's how you can help us, especially right now. I'll be honest with you. I'm up in the air about uh, whether I'm going to the D1 championship weekend in Atlanta. I want to go, but it's also a work weekend for me. Uh, and with pending back surgery again, 2.0, as it were, um, that is going to cause, cause, cause me to miss about a month of being able to work. Um, uh, I may need to work that weekend instead. And so this would be a way of being able to offset that so we can cover not only our expenses, but offset uh, salary lost for that. I I'm just being honest with you. I'm not necessarily looking for sympathy. I'm not looking for uh, any other reasons to, you know, whatever you want to call it. I, I, it's kind of feel up in the air on that. I'm just being blunt. Uh, that's where there. That's where we stand on on all of that. Uh, if you listen to our podcast, thanks so much. A reminder, our podcast is basically available available wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, we're we're through SoundCloud. That's where we home base the the program. But geez, I think in the last month or so, we're now on eight different platforms at least, if not more. Uh, so check those out. And uh, we hope we're at this point able to get to as many people. We know the podcast is pretty popular. The numbers are pretty solid there. And we thank all of you who tune into the podcast who can't tune into us live. Uh, speaking of live, the Facebook video of the marathon is gone. Well, that's because we went over eight hours. Uh, we will tr uh, maybe upload at a later date. We, we will see. All right. So there you go. We've got some business uh, taken care of there. Rather quiet so far. If you do have questions for us, tweet us. Like I said, uh, you can also email us uh, and we'll look out for all of that. Or you can join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash hoopsville. Um, and we will try and answer any and all questions that you may have here on the show. 
Um, here are guests for the day, and, and I think we got a rather interesting collection of guests, certainly good topics to have. Uh, we'll talk to St. John's University men's basketball coach Pat McKenzie. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about why on the show. They're 21, 16 and 0 in conference, uh, I believe, right? Am I right on that? 20 and 1, 16 and 0. 20 and 1, 16 and 0. Yep, that's what I meant to say. Um, he'll join us on the show. Then, followed by number 19th ranked Gettysburg women's basketball, Nate Davis will join us. They're 19 and 1, now 14 and 0 in the Centennial Conference. DePaul women's basketball coach Chris Huffman will join us. They're 19 and 1, 11 and 0 in NCAC action. Uh, they're the fourth-ranked team in the country currently. And then SUNY Potsdam men's basketball, Jim Bechtel, will join us. The team is 15-4, and 10-2 in the SUNYAC race, and they have come on strong here in the last, well, geez, really this semester or, or late December. We'll talk about the changes there. And, and that program, which has quickly become competitive in the SUNYAC in what is always a tough conference, let's be honest, the SUNYAC and the MAC Commonwealth may be two of the tougher conferences from top to bottom it doesn't always produce maybe the best program at the top. Uh, we, we certainly, Plattsburgh, the last couple of years has been really good. They lost a bunch of talent, new coach. They're, they're going through some transitions now. And Brockport's been the conversation. Cortland has come on strong this year. Oswego, I feel, has, hasn't lived up to a lot of expectations, including their own. But more importantly, even the bottom teams in the SUNYAC are not rollovers. And you're going to get a tough game, and some of it's due to travel every single night in that conference, just like the Mac Commonwealth. That, and listen, there's other conferences like that too, but I think even in the ODAC or the NESCAC, sometimes the bottom teams are not the most competitive. That's not a knock. That's just reality. Sometimes uh, in a lot of conferences, that is the truth. SUNYAC and Mac Commonwealth, the, the bottom teams can be some of your toughest opponents. So we'll talk about Potsdam's sudden rise to the top with Jim Bechtel coming up. Uh, it's been a quiet week so far in the top 25s. On the women's side, just one loss. It came last night. Albright losing to Stevenson. If this was a couple of years ago, I wouldn't have been shocked by that. But Albright's now their second loss of the season, losing by two at Stevenson. Um, if I didn't have a game, I probably would have gone over and, and seen that doubleheader. little surprised by that, to be honest with you. Um, uh, if Albright is all that in a bag of chips, they need to be beating the Mustangs, even if it's on the road. I know Stevenson can be a tough place to play, but it's not that tough a place to play. They do have Lebanon Valley coming up, so they can get back on the winning streak. But that Mac Commonwealth race, now a little bit more interesting that Albright has lost to Stevenson. On the men's side, just two losses in the uh, top 25. Surprisingly, Elmer's losing to Carthage. Now, if this was December, I wouldn't have been surprised by that. Carthage, though, as you remember, stumbled a bit in January and isn't in that top echelon terms of record right now. I think they're good enough, and in that case, I'm not surprised. But Elmer's needs to be ready for these kinds of games. And 81-77, the loss. They'll have North Central next, Will Elmer's. That will be a tough test because they can't afford a two-game losing streak, in my opinion, this week. The other loss, Lacrosse losing to Plantville. Um, now they split the series. I think well, – I don't even have my top 25 in front of me. I think I moved my, my um, Plantville ahead of Lacrosse last week. Just looking it up. Give me a second here. I, uh, I ended up having to email my ballot in based on the illnesses I was describing. There it is. Yeah, I did, but by one spot. So I've had Platteville and Lacrosse kind of lockstep the last couple of weeks. But Lacrosse was ahead of Platteville due to the win. Um, last week I flipped them because Platteville was playing better. Lacrosse took a loss. Now it, it's a little more steady there. 
The WIAC is good. The WIAC is competitive. I don't, I don't think it's at the top. Oshkosh lost. Uh, certainly makes the race at the top of the WIAC far more interesting. But I don't think the WIAC's top teams are as good as we're used to. I could be dead wrong on that, but it just doesn't feel like they've got the strength to make a deep run in the tournament. Granted, the bracket's going to determine a lot of that, and I could be dead wrong. But I just, I think it's going to be a two-team WIAC this year in the tournament, maybe. We'll see. That's not based on numbers, folks. That's just based on gut feelings. We'll see where this all pays, plans out. But anyway, that was the only other loss. Receiving votes category, Oshkosh, as we mentioned, lost to Eau Claire, 78-76. Um, and I think that, that, that may, maybe voters will stop voting for, for uh, Oshkosh as well. By the way, on the women's side, no, no losses in the receiving votes category. The last time something like this happened a couple weeks ago, uh, Saturday was destruction day. Uh, or the weekend was, maybe is a better way of saying that. And, and all the losses we're used to came roaring back. If this stays pat for the first time in a long time, the top 25s will stay relatively calm. If you look at the top 25s, we had two teams on, new on either side. Uh, Springfield came back into the top 25 on the men's side. Albion um, joined the top 25. By the way, happy belated birthday to Jody May at Albion, the head coach. Springfield, by the way, escaped last night against Coast Guard. Coast Guard has been a tough team, a tough out for everybody this season. It went to overtime. Here's the crazy part. Jake Ross, who we all know is a, a pretty amazing talent, had 55 points, 21 rebounds, and five assists in that game. 55 points and 21 rebounds. Uh, pretty impressive stats, to say the least, uh, as Springfield survives there. Uh, on the women's side, the two new ones in the 24 and 25 spot, Albright, which now has taken the loss, and Texas-Dallas returned. By the way, who dropped out Gustavus Adolphus and Emery on the women's side, Worcester and Albertus Magnus on the men's side. Albertus Magnus went from receiving votes in the top 25 to not even receiving votes, and what I had said on the marathon was I suspected the St. Joseph win would have Albertus Magnus voters abandon ship. They did, and I think a lot of them went to St. Joseph, and I think a number of others, including myself, went to St. Joseph. St. Joseph was one point out of the top 25. Brandeis with 56 points. St. Joseph with 55. Jim Calhoun's team could be a top 25 team by next week, and I think they deserve it. Another thing that was big on the men's side was that Swarthmore lost four first-place votes last week. They had been the unanimous first-place team for a while. They lost four votes. Three went to St. John's. One went to Randolph-Macon. I get the argument because I'm one of those guys who left Swarthmore. I went to St. John's. I moved them to one. I moved Randolph-Macon to two, and I put Swarthmore to three. Basically, I took Swarthmore, and I moved it behind those two teams. I think Swarthmore is good. I really do. I think they're going to be a tough out in the NCAA tournament. But here's the problem. In their last few games, they have not put teams away that I feel they should be putting away. On Saturday, they were at Gettysburg and had to come from behind, nearly lost. They won 74-70. Uh, on Wednesday, they played, or sorry, that would have been Thursday, right? The 29th was Thursday. No, no, it was a Wednesday. Yeah, it was a Wednesday. Uh, they were at Washington College. Always a tough place. They won by 11, but that game was in doubt for a long time. Washington College is a good team. I get that, but they're not great this year. I expected them to be great. But they're 7-12, and 5-7, and seven. and if you're the number one team in the country, even at one of the toughest places to play in the Centennial Conference, you need to be coming out with a victory there. Why, uh, against McDaniel, they won 80-44. to 44. You might think, oh, okay. Yeah, but in the first half, they had to come from behind just to have a lead at halftime against the McDaniel squad, to be honest, isn't all that. They, they've had some trouble this year, and, and Swarthmore should have put them away in the first half. And against Ursinus, they had to come from behind. 
Um, my my worry with Swarthmore right now is they've got Muhlenberg today. They've got Franklin and Marshall Saturday, both games at home. Then Johns Hopkins on the road next week, along with Dickinson at home. Then Haverford and finish with McDaniel. They easily, easily could lose to Muhlenberg. Maybe, and maybe almost possibly, or not possibly, almost definitely Johns Hopkins. I even think Dickinson can give them a run. I'll find out more about FNM tonight. But I'm going to leave that out for now. So they could take at least their first loss, if not a couple others. I've just lost a little bit of faith. Now, Ryan Scott makes a point that that Swarthmore is a team that executes really well and that they're predicated on making good passes, running the offense, and that ends up keeping games close. And I get that, except I'm also used to a defense that shuts teams down. And I'm not sure that that defense is either not clicking or that offense is missing out on big chances. And, and listen, they've got size inside. They've got shooters outside. They've got a great ball distributor. If they are that good, these games are not close. And they aren't coming from behind in the last few minutes. I may change my mind. But right now, in my opinion, Swarthmore is, is waiting for a loss or two any day. And now listen, do I expect them to get through the, through the season undefeated? No, and I expect that they would have taken a loss by now. Their loss, I think, is definitely coming. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It's not. I, I think a, a loss late in the season can be a good thing. But, but something's off, in my opinion. Something's off. And, and maybe this lights a fire under them. I don't know. They probably don't care. And that's fine with me, too. But I'm one of the four voters who decided I'm done thinking Swarthmore is the best team in the country. It coincides with Colby taking its first loss as well. But I'm one of those who moved Swarthmore down. Um, we'll see how it plays out. But that's also one of the reasons we're going to talk to St. John's men's basketball coach Pat McKenzie today because I wanted to hear from the Johnnies. It hadn't worked out the last few weeks with my schedule and trying to get them on. And actually, we ended up pre-taping the interview with Coach McKenzie because of his schedule. I really didn't want to postpone that opportunity to talk to him any further. So we'll hear from him and his opinions on his squad. But for some reason... What St. John's has done in their own conference, while they've had some tough games, don't get me wrong, they're playing all but five games in conference, they feel like they're handling business in conference better than Swarthmore is, and I think the MIAC is a tougher conference than the Centennial. Who St. John's has played are tougher opponents, in my opinion, than who Swarthmore has played. Same is true with Randolph-Macon. I think Randolph-Macon is playing tougher opponents. They beat Virginia Wesleyan by three, um, and they've had tougher opponents that they've absolutely put away than I think Swarthmore's playing. So let's review that one more time. Swarthmore's opponents, I don't feel in conference, are as good as St. John's and Randolph-Macon's opponents are in their own respective conferences. And Swarthmore's struggling with those opponents. St. John's and Randolph-Macon are handling business. Y- yes, they. You know, for example, St. John's had to come from behind against Hamlet. I get that. Indicative of the Randolph Macon, I'm sorry, of the uh, Swarthmore McDaniel game. Ultimately, those two teams I feel are playing better right now than Swarthmore is. Could Swarthmore be back at the national championship undefeated and going for it? Sure, absolutely could happen. I don't think it will. And I, I, I just, that's why I shifted my vote. They're third. I still think they're one of the best teams in the country. I'm just lost a little faith that they are clicking on all cylinders right now. And maybe the grind is beating them up a little bit. Again, conference knows you best and you should, you're going to probably lose to in-conference opponents. I get that. But Swarthmore is better than these programs, plain and simple. 
and, and it shouldn't be close. Johns Hopkins should be the only team they're struggling with in the Centennial Conference, to be blunt. But the way they're playing right now, all of a sudden half the conference, I think, can beat them. And I think that's a concern. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I hear from coach or, or, or somebody on Twitter and saying you're completely nuts, and I'm fine with that. But that's where I'm coming from, from an outside point of view. So there you go. Um, hey, coach Victor, you're taking one game out of that. He says penalizing Swarthmore, even though they won by 36 but didn't have a good half. I'm using that as one example of four. I know McDaniel really darn well. Swarthmore shouldn't be struggling in any half against McDaniel. Period. That shouldn't be a recovery in the first half just to have the lead at halftime. But I'm also pointing out three other games. So that one game is one part of the last four. Don't stick to the one because that's not my only argument. My, my argument is all four. Not just that one game a week and a half ago. Let's, let's remember that part. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, St. John's men's basketball coach Pat McKenzie will join us. Again, a pre-taped interview I had with him yesterday. Still ahead, Gettysburg women's basketball coach Nate Davis, DePaul women's basketball coach Chris Huffman, and then SUNY Potsdam's men's basketball coach Jim Bechtel. You'll listen to Hoops Hill presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. Back with more after this. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. 
We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. I just wanted to get good grades and to do well. But it also made me realize that I have a lot of career goals. You're there to get a full college experience, not only participate in your sport, but participate in things outside of that. And it's all about growing as a person. My coaches have helped me with figuring out who I really am. Their lives are dedicated for us to succeed. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. As we get ready to talk to Coach McKenzie of St. John's, Coach Victor with a reply. I just compared the Johnnies beating Hamlin in OT to McDaniel, who lost by 36 apples and oranges. No, I'm not. Uh, I'm not at all. Uh, by the way, it wasn't overtime. Johnnies uh, and, and Hamlin went full regulation. It was tied at 34 in the first half. Uh, and it went regulation 71-57, St. John's winning. They won the second half 37-23. Very similar games. But here's my, here's my difference. That game was similar to Swarthmore and McDaniel. But the Johnnies outside of that, they beat St. Olaf last night, 68-53, which happened after I chatted with Coach. They beat Gustavus, 68-59. They had a tough one with Carrollton, certainly. They absolutely smoked Concordia Moorhead, and they smoked McAllister. Swarthmore's had close games most of the rest of the way around McDaniel. They, they beat Gettysburg by four. Um, they, beat, they came from behind to beat Washington College. That game was close late. Um, they ended up winning by 11, but it, it, they were losing at halftime, 32-27. Uh, what else was there? There was Ursinus, 81-76. I was watching that game. The, in the last three minutes, that game was in doubt. If Swarthmore is as good as they are, they are owning those teams in the Centennial Conference. The Mayak teams are more competitive, in my opinion. That's where the difference is, and it's not apples and oranges. I'm comparing two conferences and two teams I think are very good in their conferences and how they're doing right now. Swarthmore is not, they're, they're, they're struggling with their own conference opponents. And I get that you can struggle against conference opponents. I'm, I'm not disagreeing with that. But Swarthmore seems to be struggling more than St. John's is. That's where my comparison is. And I compare two games where they were close in the first half and in the second half. I mean, Swarthmore shouldn't be close against McDaniel, period. End of story. That's what my argument is. Speaking of St. John's, they are number two in the country. They are now 21 overall, 16-0 in conference play. The next stretch gets tough. They play three of the next four on the road. Their one home game will be St. Thomas, which is, of course, a rivalry game. What does this all mean? Well, I talked to Pat McKenzie yesterday about all this uh, prior to their win, and he joined me to talk about it in the NABC Coaches Corner. 
Now join me on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline from St. John's. It's head coach Pat McKenzie. Coach, first and foremost, thanks for taking the time to join us, and, and uh, congratulations on what has been a tremendous season so far. Well, th- thanks again for having me. It's, uh, it's a great opportunity. We appreciate it. You guys are sitting at 19-1, and 15-0 in conference action. You guys, your one loss was the first loss or first game of the season against Nebraska Wesleyan. Did you even have these uh, expectations that this was the kind of season you guys could put together? Uh, you know, no. I, I, yes and no. It's one of those, I don't think you ever go in, um, you know, overly confident or overly doubting yourself one way or the other. You just, you, you try to, uh, keep getting better, which which sounds corny, I know, but um, you know we felt like we had some some good pieces in place. And one of the fun things about this group so far is is I think we have gotten better, and and so that's been been fun coming and, and seeing us make strides um, every day down down at practice. One thing that jumped out at me, as I said in the intro, I, I moved. I was one of the guys who moved my number one vote from Swarthmore to you guys, uh, moving you up from my number two spot in in previous weeks. What jumped out at me is is that you're handling business in the conference. What worries me about Swarthmore, without going into the weeds, is, is that they have been having some struggles. Yes, I realize conference teams know you, but you guys, for the most part, yes, you had to come from behind sometimes um, against Hamlin and stuff, but you, you, you seem to dominate games that you should be dominating. Does that make sense? Um, how hard, though, is it to do that? Is the team just that good, or are you guys just that well-prepared? Well, you know, I, I don't know that we've been, been, been dominating by any stretch. I, I think sometimes those scores maybe look a little different than, than the game played out. And, and you, you hit on it. I mean, that, that's, that's college basketball. You, you get into the second round of, of your conference play, particularly, you know, when you play a true uh, home and home. And, and, and it's, it's a dogfight. I mean, it just is. And, and uh, we know what each other wants to do, how we do it, when we do it. And so, um, you know, it really is a tough part of the year, and that, and that goes for everybody. So I, I don't know that we've necessarily been, you know, storming our way through. We, we've been fortunate to get out with, with some wins, and um, and yet, you know, they're, they're, they're battles every night, I can tell you that. Oh, sure. Yeah, I, I highly suspect so. I, I guess more domination isn't the right word, but more along the lines of taking care of business the way we expect you to. Um, Hamlin 71-57. I realize the final score isn't necessarily indicative, but there were signs in that game that you guys were the team that's on top of the conference. And as much as a team might in the first few minutes or the first half of a half or whatever the case may be, take it to you. You guys handle your business. And, and one would argue Swarthmore is as well. When you look, though, at your schedule, you guys have had a ton of conference games. How do you keep this team from not falling into what is the grind essentially you know it to to lull, be lulled to sleep by what is okay another conference game okay we've seen these guys before yeah i think well we've got a, a great group of seniors that that i think that that helps i mean mm-hmm. we, we, we've got five seniors who, who have been through it i think who understand um how important each game is and, and you know they they drive our, our intensity, they drive our focus, and, and to date, they've done a terrific job of that. I mean, we, we, we haven't had a ton of lulls in, in, in practice, and I think that's largely driven by, by our group of seniors and, and their focus, and that sort of you know, rubs off on, on our team, and, and we've taken on a little bit of that personality uh, as a result. You've had a, an interesting stretch here. Five of the last seven were at home, um, six of the last ten in January into February, and you have one more home game coming. 
in this run. You, you certainly have had the advantage of the home court, but the finish will not be so pleasant. Three of your final four are on the road. How important was this home stretch for this program? Well, I, I think anytime you're you're at home, you want to win. I mean, there, there's there's I think a, that that home court advantage exists throughout college basketball, and, and if you can take care of business, you're in your routine. Yeah, you know, that's an important part of it. And, and so, you know, again, as of today, we've been we've been fortunate to do that. Um, but like you said, we, we've got another one coming up, and, and, and we got to do our best to be ready for that. Of course, the other uh, rematch with St. Thomas still ahead. That will be your your last home game, interesting enough, on the 15th. Of course, you beat them by 17 earlier in the season. That's a great rivalry. Do, do we read anything into a 17-point victory over the Tommies? I don't think so. I mean, I, I think it was one of those, you know, they're really good. I mean, they have a really good group. And, and uh, we played well. I'm sure they're looking back and, and, and knowing that there are some things they, they could have done better and have done better. So it was one of those perfect storms that that, that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, they're really good. And, um, you know, we're fortunate to, to play well on, on, on that particular afternoon. Of course, it's a senior-laden team. There's lots of ways to win in in the NCAA, I feel, senior-laden is usually a pretty good one. You've got five of them. Tell me a little bit about this senior class and, and what has this been building, I guess, for them? Yeah, it's, 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 you know, it's, a, it's, it's been a great group. Um, you know, they've, they've, they've been putting together a lot of wins now throughout their career. I, I, I think our, our SID mentioned the other day, they're, they're, or as of today, the, the second winningest class of guys in the history of St. John's basketball. And mm. so... You know, I think that that approach we, we we touched on it earlier is is a group of guys that are really focused. Um, they they show up with intensity, and they, and, and again, they understand you know how important each day is and, and how important each prep is as, as the next one leads up. And and that's a that's a luxury. You know, when you you've got five guys that that have been around um, that are willing to, to to drive that intensity and focus, that that that's huge, and that's been a, a big part of our success to date. Uh, interesting enough, um, not. Well, went a good chunk of time without the uh, contributions of Sorensen. Of course, he's now into the second half of this season, and that adds to what is a stacked statistical roster. When we look at the stats, um, you're led by two seniors uh, at, at double digits. He's almost 20 points a game for a lot. Walford at, at 12 points a game. Same with Hanson. Um, and really two more guys, because we'll count Baker at double digits. He's at 9.0. How important is it to have so many different offensive options for you guys? It helps, you know. I mean that that I think that goes for anybody. If and, and chances are, if you're having a good year, you you've got a, a number of guys out there that that can score. Um, and, and we've had that. And, and I think the other thing it, it tells you about a group, no matter who the group is, is that you got guys that are willing to share it. And so um, if you have guys capable and willing to give it up. Um, you know, you got a chance to have some success on offense, and, and fortunately for us, that that's been the case uh, so far this season. Yeah, you guys have a ton, a hundred more assists than your opponents. Uh, quick math, I think you're averaging uh, some insane number of assists per game. Uh, it's almost 15 a game. It's certainly willing to to distribute. But here's what also jumps out of it: you guys are shooting, and this is going into your game on Wednesday. 50% from the floor, 40% from beyond the arc. 74% from the free throw line, and, and I've seen some bad free throw shooting numbers this year, out-rebounding your opponents by nearly 10 a game and outscoring them by 16 while holding them to 61. Those stats to me are spectacular because it tells me not only is it clicking on offense, 
but you're dominating the boards where you're getting second chance opportunities most likely and defensively keeping the teams at bay because they're you're only giving up 61 points a game. Well, yeah, I mean, we've we've been pretty good defensively this year. I think some of our our our, our players and their talents sort of fall in line with that anyhow. And and then we we've got some size. You know, we've got a really good, Lucas Walford's a terrific athlete, and so you know he's he's a just makes a difference on the glass and defensively just just because of him being him. I mean, trust mm-hmm. me, anything I'm doing. Um, so so. You know that that certainly helps, and then uh, we've had some success being able to go inside. We we, we play with two sort of traditional posts, mm-hmm. and, and so some of those numbers are, are maybe a touch skewed just because of the you know the, the style we play and, and the personnel we have. But high percentage shots are high percentage shots. If you're going to be able to get those and take advantage of them, I, any coach would take that all day uh, and any chance they get the opportunity. It, it, yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, again, it's it, a real luxury having having two guys like that 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 you know can can play and score around the basket and, and do it at, a, at an efficient clip and then they also can you know clean up some some things on the defensive end you know whether it's protecting the rim or or picking up some extra rebounds and and that's you know it's a luxury for sure and 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 both those bigs really we've got some great depth at the four and five so it's not just those two guys but that that has been uh, again a real a real key component to to the success so far. We should point out, by the way, Walford basically averaging a double double again going into Wednesday's game. Nine point nine rebounds with eleven point nine points. He certainly is getting it done, but he also shoots sixty seven percent from the floor. In other words, if he gets the ball and is into a shooting position more times than not, he's hitting that shot, and that's got to be a challenge for the defense that you guys face. Yeah, you hope so. I mean, Lucas is a really smart player, and and so uh, you know, part of it is where he gets his looks, and then the other part of it is you know he's smart about where he's taking them. Mm-hmm. And and when he's when he's comfortable and in a rhythm, he he's he's pretty good, and is is smart enough to understand you know uh, when and where those opportunities are, and and to take advantage of them when they present themselves. Clearly, he's smart, and clearly he's told not to step outside the arc because he's hasn't <laughs> taken a shot from outside the arc yet this season. <laughs> That that is that is partially true. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, when it comes to defensive mentality, what do you guys? Is this one of those where it depends on the matchup? It depends on how you're going to play, or is it we've got a style and we're going to stick to it? Uh, yeah, a little bit of both. I mean, certainly we have our like anybody else, I'm sure, sort of our core principles that that we want to try to do defensively and. And then there are some things we can hopefully adjust or, or change a little bit based on, you know, personnel. Um, like I said, too, it, it it helps having guys that are just naturally, um, you know, that that's where their talents lie mm-hmm. is the defensive um, the defensive end. And, and you know, touched on Lucas again. He, he's one of those guys. He gives us an ability. He can he can get out and defend on the perimeter. So so we we all of a sudden can can do some things defensively just because of his versatility that 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 has helped a lot. Obviously, last season came to an unceremonious end with Northwestern defeating you guys 93-78. Of course, they've done that to others. You you aren't alone. But the year before also ended with Bethany Lutheran uh, doing the same thing. Is is there a sense of unfinished business that you guys haven't been able to to prove what, how successful the last couple seasons have been? And this year, uh, you got to go do it. Oh boy, I don't know. You, you know, we've we've really tried not to to dwell on it, and and you know, it's not to say we that, that, that there aren't things you do different, and there aren't 
areas you, that, that you look at and try to change. Um, and yet, you know, hey, it's, it's, uh, it's not like, you know, we're getting beat by a high school JV team. Oh, no. You know, and, sure. and, 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 and these are, these were both really, really good teams, uh, well coached, all that stuff that, that had great nights. Mm-hmm. And, you know, our, our, our message has been more, you know, we, we had great years, really great years, just, just really tough endings. Mm-hmm. And, um, certainly we'd love to change that, but, you know, shoot, we're a long ways away from, from even being in the tournament, right? So, I mean, we got a lot yeah. of work left to do. Um, so it's, it's not really a, 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 I wouldn't say it's unfinished business. It's just, Hey, we, we got to get back to work. And, um, if the, if that opportunity presents itself, there's some things we want to do a little bit different, but we got to, we got to get that opportunity. I'll get to the work left to be done in a moment, but I want to flash back to game number one again against Nebraska Wesleyan on the 8th of November uh, at Superior. You guys lost 78-56 to some degree unceremoniously. What was it about that game, and what is it about that game now moving forward that seem that you guys are continuing to use, I guess is the best way to ask that. Well, you know, for starters, they're really good. Yes, I mean they're 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 really good, and uh, I think they've got seven seniors. Um, I mean they're tough. You know, so I, it, it starts with them. I mean yeah. they're they're just they're good, and um, you know the way the, the way they play, particularly what they uh, were doing defensively with their zone, is, is something we hadn't seen a lot of, um, and and they took advantage of that. So, um, you know, again, it's one of those you know certainly a tough night. There, there, there were as always. You go back, you watch the film. It's never as good or as bad as you, you thought. Mm-hmm. And so the, the really, I mean, just the message was, hey, you know, we're we're it's a it's one loss, and, and we can't let this you know define or determine our season. Let's just let's bounce back. We got to get ready for the next one. And again, this group's been really good at that um, as of today. Yeah. Um, again, we're talking to coach on Wednesday here before their game against St. Olaf. Uh, still ahead, Augsburg and McAllister on the road, then St. Thomas on a home and finishing with Bethel on the road before the conference tournament. The conference, it's, it's a delicate balancing act because you only have five out-of-conference games because you play so many in conference. And there's some years that uh, Mayak team is left out of the tournament that probably should get in, but the resume is tough to, to bolster. And then there's other years where we've gotten multiple teams in. How do you address that with, with your program? Is it one of these conversations that, we hey, we just need to go win the AQ, or do we even discuss the other opportunities? No, you know, I think you got to look at, at the other opportunities. It's funny you bring that up because I'm, I'm right now in my first year on, on our rack, mm-hmm. and so, you know, I've been more dialed in and, and thinking, looking at it more than I've ever have probably in all my years combined, right? So, mm-hmm. um so no, I mean it is it, it, it is a delicate um, balance. I think you have to um, you know do your best. I mean there, there, there's only so much you can do. A with the the, the limited number, and then you know um, how you play, who you play, et cetera. But um, you know certainly you want to go try and, and win as many as you can, regardless of who's on the schedule, right? So right. it's um, but but it is a, a balance, and, and you know there's years it, it shakes in your favor, there's years it doesn't, and. and I think as you learn more about it, you, you, you know, there's certain things you might try to do to, to bolster those opportunities. I do realize in 21, um, you guys will have two more non-conference games due to the decision in the offseason about St. Thomas. But is it still a conversation you have, you would have with the rest of the Mayak of going, hey, guys, we're hurting ourselves here. You know, we're, we're a good conference. We want to show that. 
why do we keep hamstringing us? Or is there enough votes that you, you just know that's not going to get, you're not going to find a different way of doing it, even though the women are certainly doing it a different way? Yeah, I, I think, you know, I, the, the, you're, I think, I mean, it's been discussed constantly, although I think the women are actually coming back to yeah, they keep, what we've been doing. I keep getting um, confused with the women, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, um, you're right in that uh, two more um, do open up, you know, once the, the St. Thomas thing is said and done, when, when, whenever that happens. So that gives us, it does give us some, some, some more flexibility. And, and is that enough? I, you know, I don't know for sure, but um, there doesn't seem to be currently anyways, a ton of um, movement on, on that, on, on that front, I would say. Interesting. Uh, again, uh, business to take care of. I know every game matters more than, than five games from now. Um, and so I appreciate you at least giving us an, an insight is there anything about this team that we don't quite understand looking at paper or watching a game on TV that would better understand how this team clicks? Boy, I don't know. I, I, I think, you know, it's, it's a fun group, obviously. So, I, I mean, I'm just, uh, it, it, they're, they're fun guys to be around and mm-hmm. um, they're competitive, you know, and, and, and whether that jumps out at people watching or not, um, that I don't know, but, but you hope it does because mm-hmm. they really are, uh, pretty focused group and, and just show up, do their work, and get after it, and uh, very workmanlike. And so that, as a coach, I mean, that, that's really fun to be around. <laughs> um, obviously a lot to play for, and I appreciate the time, especially squeezing into your schedule. Uh, good luck the rest of the way. And uh, as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuned in? Well, I, I, I mean, the, the only people listening on my behalf are probably our staff and my wife. And so um, <laughs> what, what I would say to them is, is thank you. I've, I've, I've got great support on both fronts. Um, it would not be as much fun without, without uh, both, both of those parts of the equation. So, so thanks to all them. It, it, it makes it a fun run. Well, certainly couldn't agree more. Thanks for the time. Really appreciate it. Good luck the rest of the way, and I look forward to talking to you down the road. Thanks a lot, Dave. Absolutely. Pat McKenzie joining us from St. John's here on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. And thank Coach again for the pre-taped conversation. Busy today, and so finding some time, especially pre-game on a Wednesday. Really appreciate it. Again, uh, undefeated in the conference. Uh, the test ahead, they got past St. Olaf last night, 68-53 at home. That's their only their, that's the penultimate home game for the regular season. They've got Augsburg and McAllister on the road starting this weekend. Then St. Thomas next weekend at St. Tom, or at home, at St. John's. The big rivalry game. Um and then Bethel on the road before conference action. So good to chat with Pat McKenzie, get an idea of that program. Appreciate his time. We'll take another break. When we come back, we'll talk about Gettysburg. Feels like they're flying a little bit under the radar, despite the fact they're undefeated in Centennial Conference action. Nate Davis joins me to talk about his women's basketball program and just how good they may be. We'll talk to him about that and a little bit more. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville after this. Being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, hey, I actually can make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference. Division three has helped me to develop teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills. It's not just about basketball or it's not just about school. It's about developing yourself as a person altogether. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game, 
I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. For the love of the game, that's what it's all about, they say. But for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that. It's more about team and the schools and communities we represent. And for the many of us blessed with the strength to compete in sport at the college level, we understand that with what we were given comes a special obligation. An obligation to help those who have their own special needs and whose love for the game is no less intense. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. Since August of 2011, we and others from Division III campus communities have volunteered more than a quarter million hours, time away from the classroom and practice field, reaching across the country to coach and mentor Special Olympics athletes. And to learn that in giving, we receive so much more in return. Help us keep that dream alive. Be part of it. Get involved. You can make a difference. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. I used to never really talk, ever. I was scared and shy. It was hard to look at people's faces. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Back to Hoopsville, everybody, on this midday show, lunch break, we're calling it. Thanks for taking the time to join us. If you got any questions for us, you can always tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Um, you can also join us on uh, Facebook, where we are streaming the show, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Sorry to YouTube lovers, uh, not streaming there today. Uh, we continue to have some issues there with PSAs, believe it or not. Uh, and we fixed our email. It's Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. Unlike the D3Hoops.com version, I kept insisting it was right. Try that one to email us. We certainly would love to hear from you. By the way, quick note on Springfield men's basketball. I, I noted 
the 55 points by Jake Ross yesterday, along with 21 rebounds and five assists in the overtime win against Coast Guard. Did not realize that's the first time in over 50 years at Springfield that somebody has scored 50 points in a in a game. So congrats to Jake Ross. All right, switching gears, women's basketball team, I think is flying a little bit under the radar. They're pretty good, but um, it's also a very good top 25, to say the least. Gettysburg is number 19 in the top 25 this week. They are, their last loss came in the opening of the season, kind of similar to what we just talked about at St. John's. They lost to Messiah 68-61. They've been undefeated since. They're undefeated in the Centennial Conference. It all adds up to pretty good basketball. But what is it about this team that maybe not everyone's bought into yet? Nate Davis joins us via the Hoopsville Hotline presented by Blue Frame Technology via Skype. And Nate, thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. First and foremost, should point out it's a game day, so I really appreciate you taking the time to join us. Um, this team is, again, for all intents and purposes, undefeated. Your lone loss coming back on November 13th, and you're undefeated in conference play. Is this where you expected the team to be at this point in the season? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, anytime you start out a year and you hope to be at this place, uh, we want to be playing, you know, consequential games this time of year. So um, whether we thought so or not, uh, this is certainly where we hope to be. Um, so, yeah, definitely. Uh, we're definitely excited to be, you know, uh, in the conversation at this point of the year as, as one of the teams that, that are playing well. So that's that's certainly our goal year in and year out. Sure. Makes sense. Um, again, undefeated since that Messiah game. Just to go back quickly, what was it about the Messiah game that didn't work out? Um, was it because it was the opening game in the season? And have you guys been using examples from that game to this day to stay on top of things? Yeah, I mean, you know, first and foremost, Messiah is a good team. Yeah. Um, they're a perennial great team. They're well coached. They play hard. Um, you know, um, we've got to be ready at the beginning of the year. But I think, you know, I think some of those things as we look back on that that game. Um, certainly, as I said, Messiah played great and did a great job of beating us at their place. Um, you know, I, I think we were still trying to figure out a little bit who we were at that point in the year. Obviously, you know, a couple months later, we're a little more well-defined about who we are. Um, but, um, yeah, so, I mean, we obviously can't go back and change the past and um, don't feel necessarily bad about, uh, you know, losing to Messiah at Messiah other than, you know, um, you know, learning from that and trying to get better and, and hopefully preparing us for you know, the games that are that are ahead of us still. Talking to Nate Davis here, women's basketball coach at Gettysburg. Again, team playing some darn good basketball, to say the least. Um, some of these games aren't as close as I expected them to be this season. Johns Hopkins earlier in the year, 68-46, 52-44, a little bit closer the next time you played them. Did you expect, what I'm getting at, did you expect the conference to be a little bit more competitive this year? I, I certainly did. Yeah, um, I don't know. Um, I mean, I think there's a lot of parity in our conference this year. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of teams in, in that that any given night can beat you. So, um, and it's always hard to beat a team twice. You know, no matter no matter who they are, um, because coaches make adjustments. And you know, the one thing I'll say about our conference is some really good coaches in our conference. And so, if you're not prepared night in night out, and, and uh, you're not preparing your teams for what they may see, um, then there's a good chance that that you could fall. So. Um, as far as like, you know, being the conference being, I, I think you're kind of alluding to maybe maybe down or something. But honestly, I just think there's just a lot of parity. I think there's just a lot of a lot of teams on any given night that can that can beat you. And and, and so I think that's really what we're seeing more so than, um, you know, maybe not being as quality of teams. I, I, I think there's a lot of quality of teams, but um, we're kind of beating up on each other right now. It's my it's my opinion. 
Yeah, I don't think it's down necessarily. I, I just I, I thought it'd be a little bit more challenging. Is, is, and I don't even know if I'm right about that. Uh, Haverford, by the way, has certainly been uh, another team that is is battled with you guys. They're number two in the conference, one game behind you guys. Everybody else, Hopkins, as I mentioned, is is five games back. Uh, you guys in your earlier matchup with them, and I just lost it. As I'm, oh, there it is. It, it was a tough game, 69-64. You've still got yeah. them ahead, obviously. I know you don't yes. want to look past or sign us tonight, but our half Absolutely is not. this weekend. It's a tough. This is a this is an important stretch for you guys as you're in the second half now and against programs that certainly know you best. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we're, you know, I think what's gotten us to this point is that we focused on one game at a time, and and certainly we're going to continue that process here. And yeah, I mean, I think you know. Even even her sinus, you know, I mean, uh, tonight, I mean, the last time we played them at our place was really close. It was a hard fought game. And, um, you know, so and then I know we have Haverford coming out on Saturday, too. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of really tough games coming up um, and uh, we're not looking past anyone, to be honest with you. And we recognize that that to accomplish what we want to accomplish this year, we've got to we've got to take one game at a time and, and beat some really good teams some well coached teams down the stretch here uh, to get to that place. Talking with Nate Davis here uh, from Gettysburg. Coach, let's talk about the team individually a little bit. Uh, you're led by Ashley Guerin at 15-plus, almost 16 points a game. And then there's a step-off to Kira Cesaro at eight points and Carly Rice at eight points, Meredith Brown at seven, and along with Mackenzie uh, Tinner at seven, uh, Tyner at seven. I should, I should point out that uh, it's funny because the game I saw you guys play, Guerin wasn't necessarily – the toughest opponent, the, the 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 main player, I should say. It was the yeah. rest of the group. There's times you guys can adjust well if she's getting too much attention. Yeah, I mean, I think that's honestly probably one of the strengths of our team this year is that we really do have pe- different people who can step on different not step up on different nights. And and if you try to take somebody away, um, that's going to open up an opportunity uh, for somebody else to maybe step up. And I mean, I think that's obviously it says a lot about Ashley in the sense that she does draw a lot of the attention from our opponents. Um, she's been a great player in our conference for now. This is her fourth season, and you know, been an all-conference level player every year that she's been in the league. And so, um, you know, she does get a lot of the attention, but, um, you know, the strength of our team is that other people can step up. And I think that's what's made us hard to, to beat at times is that, you know, again, going into a game, you don't know who that person's going to be. Uh, from a coaching perspective, coaching the team, uh, to be honest with you, it's a little bit nerve-wracking sometimes because um, I'm not sure who's going to step up every game either. Um, but, that you know, the, the team has kind of given me good confidence that somebody is going to do that on any given night, and we just have to continue to trust that. It's a, it's a fascinating team because the other thing I see is your team has changed a little bit over time. Uh, of course, I'm thinking – I'm forgetting on who I'm thinking of. Uh, Emily, Emma Hanner, that's who I'm thinking of. There was a time she was getting a lot of starts, main player for you guys, um, spent a lot of time, per se, as your main player. Uh, and, and in the last two seasons, her role has seemingly changed. On and off again, starter. You'll play her for some minutes. You'll, you'll, you'll sit her for some minutes. It feels like it's being dictated on what, on what style of play you want to play. And, and sometimes you find players in transition with that. Is that, is that fair? Yeah, I mean, honestly, Emma is the, you know, the thing, the great thing about her is she's such a team player and uh, she accepts whatever role we give her. And that's really a credit to her that she's, you know, willing to, you know, I mean, she's basically been a four year starter for us and has basically done everything we've asked her to do. And, and a lot of those things are kind of unsung. 
you know, a lot of those things are, you know, the defensive plays, just the great passing that she makes and, you know, um, just her communication offensively and defensively really helps us kind of makes our engine roar a little bit. And so people like her don't get a lot of the credit, but she's she's definitely one of the faces of our program for sure. Yeah, certainly. I'll agree with that. It just seems like you guys seem more higher paced than you were at the beginning of her career. And I don't know if it's because new players have come in or is it because opponents have forced you into a different style? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I try to tell our team we better be ready to win at whatever style, you know, we have to do to win the game, you know. And so, um, you know, we certainly believe we can play up tempo if we need to. Um, but at the same token, hopefully we can win, win those grinded out games that some of our teams in our conference are going to make you play. Um, and so um, I think being able to play multiple different styles is, is really important um, to be able to just execute when you need to, but also be able to get up and go and run um, when you have that advantage as well. So, yeah, I mean, and, and Emma, players like Emma give us that great opportunity because she is versatile as a player, um, can guard multiple different positions and and uh, can, you know, stress the field or the court a little bit too because uh, she can shoot on the perimeter. And I think, you know, that helps us. Um, offensively a lot of times and just having that versatility from a player standpoint and the depth helps us too no doubt sure uh, depth is 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 huge to say the least uh, especially when you're grinding through the centennial conference again her sinus tonight on the road haverford then home <laughs> and mcdaniel at home those are obviously yeah. will be key games then on the road against washington college and then home against dickinson and muhlenberg you actually have majority of your games coming up at home I know home is an important place to play, and you yeah. want to and control the home court, as it were, for centennial play. Is it helpful that for your next six will be here? Yeah, it's going to be weird for us, to be honest with you. Um, you know, the majority of our season so far, and obviously that's why it's, that's why we have so many home games coming up. Is I mean, we played one game in the fall semester at home, um, and our second home game was January fourth. Um, so we've been we've been a road warrior team all year long. And um, so in some ways, it may feel a little bit weird for us to be home, although we won't mind it. That's for sure. sure. Um, you know, they they uh, they our team certainly earned it to be at this place um, where they can have some home games down the stretch that are meaningful. So, um, you know, we're going to try to make the most of it, but also understanding that, um, you know, several of those teams coming in here have given us great battles or beat us here at this at, at our place. So uh, we're not going to take any of these games for granted or think that we, you know, have some kind of special thing because we're going to be at home, although we, we certainly want to defend our home turf. Uh, one thing you do seem to avoid is the three-game week in this stretch. We're in the, we have some three-game yeah. weeks for some teams. Yeah. Granted, you're playing today and you'll play Saturday because you didn't play Tuesday. But you're yeah. avoiding that three-game week right now. Feels like the most important time not to have it would be right yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's different philosophies of that. I mean, you know, um, playing games keeps you sharp. Um, you know, obviously, I, we feel like our, uh, you know, our depth would help us maintain a, a three-game week and be still pretty, pretty quality because we're not having to play people, you know, 35, 40 minutes a game um, and still being able to come out on the, on the positive side. But, um, but, yeah, I mean, certainly staying fresh is a good thing. We just want to make sure we stay sharp, too. Uh, while we have these um, because you know all the other teams played on Thursday on Tuesday and and uh, we didn't so hopefully you know tonight there won't be any rust and we'll be sharp and and, and energized like we should be uh, interesting enough um, last year you had a heck of a player or well, not last year last year finished a heck of a run of four years with Emma Dorsheimer yeah. how much has this team changed since her and how much did she help this team or this program get to where you guys are 
Yeah, I mean, we, you know, we've been blessed to have a lot of really good players, certainly Emma being one of them. I mean, if you go two back, two years back, we had Emily Gibbons for a couple of years there too, and she was a really dominant, great player, player of the year in the conference. And so, um, and then and then obviously losing her two years ago leading into last year with Emma Dorsheimer being that that person for us and um and then so yeah I mean every year is different to be honest with you and um that I think that's the the strength of our program is that maybe some other people that people don't know about yet have been able to step up into those into those roles and um I think that's part of the learning process this year's team has had to have is who we who are we who's our identity and what's that going to be and um you know, so but yeah, Emma and, and Emily and other great players, um, even before I got here, have certainly laid the groundwork for where we are right now, and um, we're thankful to them for the work they put in and who they are as people, and uh, we're just trying to carry on their legacy a little bit, and, and hopefully making them proud of what we're putting on the court now. Interesting. Quick flashback to last year. You guys ended up losing three of your last five, including the last two, Haverford, and then the tournament against Christopher Newport. Is that also spurring this team a little bit? Just not the finish you guys expected after a, a tremendous year last year? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's definitely, I mean, you know, I don't think any of us feel bad about the finish necessarily. I mean, obviously we played in our third straight conference championship game, and I think that's something to be proud of. And uh, being able to host the NCAA tournament for the first time ever in women's basketball history last year was it was a pretty significant um, achievement for our team to be able to accomplish that last year too. And so I don't think any of us feel bad about the ending. Um, you know, honestly, a lot of teams lost two of their last three games in the, in the nation, you know, whether sure. if they lost a conference championship game or they lost in the NCAA tournament, only one team finishes with a win. So, um, you know, so, uh, or a significant win, let me put it that way. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, so I don't think that's been something that we've looked as maybe spurring us on. I think, it, and if anything, it's given us um, an encouragement that we can do it and we can be at those places where we can play great games down the stretch. And, um, you know, I, I don't think this team looks ahead, really, to be honest with you. I think that's one of the strengths is that we've really, I'm proud of our players because they've taken one game at a time approach. And um, so we're going to try to stick to that. I don't think we've gotten, I mean, our vision doesn't change any year and year out. Our goals are still the same year in and year out. But to accomplish that, um, you know, it, it really takes a one-game approach. Well, Coach, I appreciate the time. Appreciate the insight, as always. Love chatting with you. Love seeing you when I do see you. Um, yeah. And uh, as always, well, especially on a game day, really appreciate you taking time to join us. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? No, nah, Dave, I mean, obviously, I'm just thankful for the work you guys do to promote Division Three women's hoops and men's hoops. And I just think it's, uh, you know, it's a real pleasure and honor to get to do what we get to do every day. And I just never want to take it for granted. And uh, we pr appreciate the platform you provide for, for not only us as coaches, but the student athletes, most importantly. And, and uh, we thank you for all the work you guys do. Well, thank you, Coach. Appreciate your time, as I mentioned. Take care. Good luck on the road. And uh, we'll look forward to talking to you down the road. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, Dave. Absolutely. Nate Davis joining us here on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsaw Hotline via Skype. And Skype was apparently sketchy today. It was blinking and then it was changing screen sizes. I was doing none of that. I have no idea what got into the system, but I apologize for the blinking video there on Coach Davis. But appreciate everybody's time, uh, patience with that. Um, again, they're on the road against her sinus tonight. Then they're home against Haverford and McDaniel in the next two. That is next week, Wednesday, Saturday. Then they're away at Washington College. Um, I'm sorry, uh, Haverford will actually be on um, Monday. 
Oh, no, I'm sorry. That's Saturday. And then next week against McDaniel and Washington College. Again, my date's all messed up. Then the following week against Dickinson and Muhlenberg and, and just two games. Again, Ursinus and Washington College on the road. So good wrap-up here for Gettysburg as they move forward. We'll take another break. When we come back, keep up with the women's team. We'll talk to Chris Huffman from number four, DePaul. We'll talk to her about her Tigers squad and another team that is just rolling along right now in the season. We'll discuss with her what's made the Tigers once again so good. And uh, if anybody in the NCAC can maybe trip them up, I don't know. We'll see. Listen to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. More Hoops will after this. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. It's on us. It's on all of us. And it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game-winning shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no-look pass and cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success and prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, hey, I actually can make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference. Division three has helped me to develop teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills. It's not just about basketball or it's not just about school. It's about developing yourself as a person altogether. I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. 
I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance, it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly, it's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go on a personal trainer and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, here on this Thursday afternoon. A little bit different than we normally do, but that's because I've got a busy schedule ahead of us uh, tonight. I'm actually calling some basketball games and need to make that a priority as well. But I appreciate you joining us for what we're calling the lunchtime. If you've got any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. That's actually the working email address. I have tested it. Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. Scroll at the bottom of your screen. Facebook is Facebook.com slash Hoopsville, where we're simulcasting this show. And I apologize to any of you who love us on YouTube. Can't seem to live stream on there right now. We haven't gotten around. Well, this would be the first show we may consider uploading to YouTube. Right now, though, I think we'll keep it where it is. By the way, our, our donation continues, or our, our Hoopsville fundraising, I should say. Um, right now, we're at a little over 2300 We have not moved anywhere during this show. Uh, come on, folks. We put out a couple tweets, put out some information on how you can donate. If you're watching us on the show page, there's several donation buttons. Please um, consider helping us out. The re uh, our goal right now is until February 16th, but we're going to raise that goal by the end of the semester. All right, so continuing the women's basketball conversation, another team that's playing pretty well. Ranked fourth in the country is the 19-1 Tigers of DePaul. They are undefeated in NCAC play. In fact, in the last several seasons they've only lost i think one game and i'm saying that now forgetting <laughs> what happened uh, last season two games two games in the last four seasons in the ncac play have the tigers tripped up on joining us on the blue frame technology hoopsville hotline is their head coach it is chris huffman joining us coach thanks so much for joining us here it's good to be with you today dave Oh, thank you. Uh, we should mention she's on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Again, 19-1, and one, your last loss coming to, interestingly enough, Wisconsin Lutheran. And, and we certainly know Wisconsin Lutheran is, is good for a big win. They got you guys back at the uh, near the end of, or right before Thanksgiving, I think, 70-63. to 63. Were too many thoughts on turkey? <laughs> you know, no, I, I don't think so. I thought, uh, you know, I thought they played really well when you shoot the ball well, and they certainly did that day. Um, it makes life a lot easier, and, and they played a, a heck of a game and, and got us. So hey, we'd like to try it over again, but they <laughs> earned that one. They certainly earned that one. We should point out they're 14-5, and five, though. They lost yesterday in overtime to a really good Benedictine women's squad. Um, that race is actually a fun one to watch. We'll dip into it hopefully here soon ourselves. Um, again, 19-1, and one, again, undefeated in conference play. We just mentioned you've lost two conference games in the last – four seasons dating back to the 2016-17 season this ncac has for lack of a better description has been your playground is there anybody in this conference that can trip you guys up especially this season oh man and this will sound like a coach talking but every darn <laughs> every darn team in the conference can knock us off and and i really do believe that it's, it's a great conference everyone's playing well we have tremendous coaches 
uh, who've been at it for a while, and uh, it's scary every day out. You know, we don't uh, we expect to have a battle every time we take the floor. But interesting enough, you got a three-game lead on Denison, who's eight and three in conference, fourteen and six overall. Wittenberg with the same overall record is seven and four, and then Ohio Wesleyan at six and five. So, not that it's ever comfortable. You've got a comfortable three-game lead with five to play. You're setting yourselves up to once again be hosting this tournament and get that AQ into the tournament. I know there's a lot to play for, but is A, is as we've been asking everybody, is this where you expected to be at this point in the season, or is this um, an okay spot to be in at this point in the season? Yeah, you know, we didn't dream to be in this spot at all. You know, I, I like our team, and they work hard, and they're a very, very blue-collar group. Um, but we have some deficiencies, um, and everyone has challenged us on game day. So it doesn't seem like we've had any easy ones, and we don't expect to have any. Um, but to have, you know, thankful for where we're sitting right now, very, very grateful. Um, you have an interesting unit, and it, it goes through one player in particular, Sydney Cop. 21.5 points a game, 6.5 rebounds a game, 2-plus two two assists a game, plus a steal, shoots about 43% from the floor and 40% from beyond the arc and don't foul her. She'll hit 85% of those shots as well. She seems like a very difficult player on the offensive end to stop. You know, she's a special player for us. And, and you know, how we do does revolve around her a little bit. So, with those numbers, she's seeing a lot of double teams and a lot of people that are taking her out and, you know, trying to do some uh, uh, schemes to limit her touches. And so everybody else has had to step up a little bit here in, in this kind of the second half of the season. Yeah. Tell us about the rest of this group, um, because I know it's not just the cop show. Uh, that sounded weird. Uh, Claire <laughs> Keefe has, has started every game. Maya Shannon is second on, or third on the team in scoring at eight points a game, but hasn't started. She comes off the bench for you. Um, and, and we've got other players on there as well. You have a deep team for starters, but it also feels like it really isn't just cop. You know, we, we have some different uh, – we have players with different strengths, and so we try to maximize that ability. Maya Shannon could definitely be in the starting lineup. You know, we choose to bring some of that scoring punch off the bench, mm-hmm. and I just appreciate how she's embraced that role. Um and really brought it to life. She's that spark. And we've got, you know, a couple of great defenders, and we asked him to go lock down the opponent's best players, and that's Natalie Kurt and Imani Graham. And I really like how Natalie's come on lately, too. She's, I think, hit, you know, her hit her last five threes in a row. Hmm. Uh, so for her to be a threat on the perimeter is huge for us. And we've got an undersized post game. So, you know, led by Haley Cage and Claire Keefe and, and then Campbell Montgomery and Maeve, uh, Somerville come off the bench, and so we've got this um, four-player rotation in the post that really helps us too. Um, and they they're just doing whatever is needed to be done on game day. Very unselfish team. Kane's eight point or eight rebounds a game. Keefe six point eight rebounds a game to go with Cop coming in from the guard position at her six and a half rebounds a game. You're crashing the boards hard. You're actually out rebounding your opponents, and it's by a staggering number, forty-two to twenty-nine and a half. That leads to a lot of second chance opportunities obviously it can it can stop another team on their offensive end is that is, is that a point of um focus i guess would be the best description you know it really is you know we we don't shoot the bell ball as well as we'd like to you know we're just over that 40 percent mark we'd yeah. like to shoot a little bit better so 
we certainly are trying to get that buy-in that uh, we've got to get that second chance point, maybe help us get to the free-through line, maybe stop someone's fast break, just as you've said. So we do put a lot of focus and energy on that offensive rebounding uh, component. Uh, your opponents. Again, Wisconsin Lutheran tripped you up by seven back in <laughs> November. Whitewater, it was an overtime game, a one-point win. You played Stevens Point. She always has a good squad, uh, or I should say a challenging squad. The record is up for debate, but she's never, it's never going to be not a game. You actually played three WIAC schools in a row four Wisconsin, or th- and four Wisconsin teams in a row. Um, did you guys get distracted? Did, you, did the bus just take a left, a, a left turn when it should have taken a right? What happened there? <laughs> you know, normally we had the, had the bus east, and for some reason we, we went north quite a bit here to Wisconsin. And, you know, scheduling is a nightmare sometimes, and you've and you got to do you know, whatever you can to get the games, and you want to try to get the opponents that are going to make you better. And we felt like we put that schedule together this year to really try to challenge us and make us better early mm-hmm. on. And we saw a lot of different things. You know, we saw the press and um, the zones and the inside play and the guard play. And so it really has been beneficial to have that type of scheduling for us. Um, probably not our plan to go play all the YX schools because I have so much respect <laughs> for all of them. But uh, it was a little scary heading into week number one, for sure. Sure. Earlham, of course, was your first game. But then with Stevens Point, Whitewater, Oshkosh, Wisconsin Lutheran, WashU, Illinois Wesleyan. That was a, a heck of a run there. Certainly doesn't hurt the SOS normally. WashU not having its prototypical season. Illinois Wesleyan slightly off its game. But still, as you pointed out, really good competition. Then you headed out to California in December and took on Chapman and Whittier. I, I do sense that you guys took a different approach to the scheduling this year. Was it also in mind of trying to better position yourself? Because I think we've discussed in the past, sometimes you guys aren't in just the right spot to maybe host a game that you'd maybe want to host in the NCAA tournament? Well, you know, th- th- we would love to be able to host. And I look at our region, and once again, it's, you know, gosh, hairs separate the teams, you yes. know, one through four or one through five or one through six. Um, so it really wasn't in our mind. You know, I guess we approach it as how can we get better before conference play and before the conference tournament? Is that, you, know, you can't expect to be, you know, we don't expect to have one loss right now. Sure. Um, we, we just want to get better as we go. But I'll tell you what, that trip to California was beneficial in so many ways. I thought Chapman and Whittier were two of the better teams we've faced this year. Interesting. Um, even though Chapman's record, I think, is leveled off at 10-10 and 10 right now, they are outstanding. They gave, um, oh gosh, I think they played Bowden and Amherst and, and gave them both games um, until late in the game. I thought they were outstanding as well as Whittier. Yeah, unfortunately, it has leveled off, as you point out. They're actually 10-11, and 11, losing four of their last five uh, as the conference has beaten them up a little bit. Whittier, 14-8, and eight, though, having a really good year, though they've lost their last two. Um, but, yeah, no, and, and it's as you say, it's about seeing different styles because in the tournament, you don't know who you're going to get matched up with, and you don't know if that style is something you've seen or not seen before. And, and I've heard lots of coaches say November and December games can sometimes be games we can be talking about in March. You're so so true. Um, so we love seeing the different styles and the way they officiate differently in different regions. <laughs> sure. Because it toughens you up a little bit. So we got toughened up when we went out to California because they kind of let you play. And those teams had some size and athleticism. So it was a great matchup for us to get a little bit better. To be in fairness, we're trying to get those to be a little bit more even across the uh, country. And we'll talk more about that. Uh, in the in the coming weeks, we have some plans to talk about how officiating in Division Three is evolving. 
Um, we should point out, by the way, we weren't able to get a, a WBCA center court segment per se this week. So Nate Davis and Coach Chris Huffman have the WBCA center court placard uh, tonight. But at the same time, Coach, um, you're a conference captain, so you're involved with the WBCA. You've also been a board member. I, I think you served your ter- term way back in the early part of this century. And I feel like we could say that now that we're 20, 21 <laughs> years into it. Um, so you've been very heavily involved in the WBCA. How important is it to keep everybody involved and to keep everybody kind of in tune with what's going on, especially on the Division Three side? Man, you know, I really like the WBCA, the leadership they have right now with mm-hmm. Danielle and her, her team. And, and they brought Division Three right into the mix. I think we're, you know, equal par. And I, I think then the presidents and vice presidents make sure that Division Three is taken care of and has a voice. So I'm super impressed with the organization, where it is right now, and where they and, and their vision of where they want to continue to take the game and, 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 and take care of people. So it's, it's been uh, my pleasure to be a part of it. Sure. Uh, sure. Talking to Chris Huffman here. Uh, are we going to lasso you back into getting on the board? Maybe I'm just I'm just having some fun with it. <laughs> it would be an honor to be on the <laughs> sure. to serve on the board for sure. We should point out Brian Morehouse, uh, Polly Thomason, and Adrian Scheibels, I believe, are all board members this year, uh, if my memory serves. I might get an email from Jeff here in a minute, correcting me or not if he's tuned in. Uh, let's go back to the team here. Uh, for the next five, though, are on the road. You've got a little bit of a challenge here. Allegheny and Hiram coming up this weekend uh, at home after a week off against Ohio Wesleyan, and then two spread out, Denison and Worcester. So not only do you have four of the next five at home, you also have kind of this odd paired-up set of games uh, this weekend, then a week off before you play a next, kind of like what you're doing this week, and then the following week it's a more of a traditional Wednesday-Saturday set. You, you've got to adjust to an ever-changing schedule here as we close things out. Oh, we sure do. I look at the stretch, you know, four out of five on the road with some tough competition and people who play really well on their home court. So uh, it, it's a challenging finish for us. Um, we've worked really hard to try to, you know, refocus here and recommit uh, to what we're doing here the last three weeks. These seasons can be long, but we're trying to kind of lock in and make it like it's day number one. I'm proud to say that the the one women's Final Four I was able to get to back in 2013, thanks to the men's offset schedule, you guys ended up going undefeated and winning the national championship there. It was fun to watch. How good is this team, and is it capable of going and winning a national championship? You know, I have some great memories of that 2013 team, too. <laughs> so I uh, saw some of them last week at our alumni game. Oh, so great. It was a wonderful time. Uh, you know, we have um, – gosh, we have – some things that we're working to try to fix and get better at and we're the offensive end isn't uh where we flourish um it's more about the defense and rebounding for us so we need to continue to make sure we're spreading that ball out a little bit and have five ways to score and um take the load off of sydney cop a little bit so we're working hard at it uh there's some really good teams out there right now that can do a little bit of everything so we're chasing them for sure well, it's an interesting squad, to say the least. I, don't, I, I talked with Nate Davis a moment ago about Gettysburg feeling like they're flying under the radar. I don't think at number four I can say you're flying under the radar, but I do feel like, at least from my vantage point, I don't know as much about what you guys bring to the table outside of Sydney Cop, and, and I, I certainly appreciate you coming on here to talk about it. Is there anything about this team we, we need to appreciate that we maybe can't looking at a box score or even watching the game uh, on video? You know, they're just a gritty bunch, um, and, and we've got, you know, 10, 11, or 12 that we can tr- uh, try to see, you know, 
who's going to bring the juice on game day. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a great group. They're working their, their tails off at practice, and they're a true team. And that's the fun part. It's been a really fun team to coach um, because of the people in the program and what they're willing to do for each other. But, um, you know, our inside game, I think, is, is one of our strengths, um, even though we're very undersized in there. Um, they're skilled at what they do or they've got some versatility to their game. So that's probably the one piece that maybe doesn't show up in any stat line. Uh, and is Bill Fenlon, do you keep him at bay? <laughs> Coach Finlan, he's right next door. <laughs> I know. That worries me a little. He can, he can be wacky, and I worry it gets into your game too much. <laughs> you know, I like watching Coach Finland's teams play, and I like peeking over the, uh, the railing and watching him in practice. I'm always picking up something, a little different way to say it or a little different way to execute something. Uh, he's been a, a tremendous colleague. I hope you, you don't have close games so he's yelling when to foul and not foul in the final minute. <laughs> He has his plan. He tells he me that one day it's going to bite me, and, and then I'll realize that um, I need to jump on board. I was going to say, you, you aren't necessarily on board with that plan, are you? Well, it depends I on the moment, I realize. not that way yet, but <laughs> certainly, um, you know, as you watch the game, I think there's definitely times to implement that. I think it's a little bit about opponent and score oh, and how much sure. time. So yeah. certainly buy into the, the whole uh, philosophy there. Well, to be fair, he does say it's under nine seconds. So uh, we will admit that there's a lot of time and opponent and score scenarios. Coach, really appreciate it and having fun with us as well. Um, look, really interested in seeing how you guys finish the season. Obviously a challenge ahead, but hopefully you'll be at home for the conference tournament and, and maybe even further into March. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be uh, tuned in today? Just a big shout-out to Division Three. Thank you for your coverage and your support. Uh, the WBCA, and I think all the wonderful coaches we have right now that are serving at the Division Three level uh, because they want to be there. It's an impressive group, and uh, there's so much talent there. Well said. Well said indeed. Again, appreciate the time. Good luck the rest of the way. We'll look forward to talking to you down the road, and uh, say hi to the Bills for me. I certainly will. Thank you so much. Awesome. Take care. Chris Huffman joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. We should point out Blue Frame Technology, our sponsor, not only for the hotline, but our streaming providers as well. If you're looking for a a new and different way to web stream, whether it's a host like we have in streaming on OTT or online or any other way capable of of being able to be streamed, or you're looking for a better uh, production um, software, go to Blue Frame Technology. They've got the production truck software, which... unrelated to our partnership i swear by i love that technology uh for streaming games Uh, i see a lot of schools using it uh some of them maybe want to know that there's updated um uh, graphics packages but that's that's beside the point Um, but also streaming partners go to blue frame technology uh and give them a call or or check out them on the lot on the website www.blueframetech.com that's blueframetech.com uh tell them i sent you by the way let them know you heard about it on hoopsville or or from dave McHugh and and find a new way to do your streaming uh, capabilities. I, they, they're great guys there and gals, I should point out. Uh, streaming is pretty top-notch, and their, blue frame, uh, their production truck software is really top-notch as well. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll go back to men's basketball, head to the northern part of New York State. We'll head to Potsdam to talk about their men's basketball team that has come on strong and is in the fight for the SUNYAC regular season title. Where in the world did Jim Bechtel get this team? We'll talk to him about that coming up. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More after this.
College has given me the flexibility to pursue my passions and my interests, and I've recreated my identity for myself aside from just being an athlete. My greatest personal discovery has been that I am capable of doing things that I didn't know I was capable of doing. To be able to study what I wanted to and continue to play the sport I love, all of those things came together very nicely in one package in Division Three. Cheer for the stumbles. The heat should have had bets. And the tears that linger. For in those moments, greatness lies. There, you will find the provoked, the determined, the unified. It's in those moments that champions are born. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. Being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, hey, I actually can make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference. Division three has helped me to develop teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills. It's not just about basketball or it's not just about school. It's about developing yourself as a person altogether. It's on us. It's on all of us. And it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. I coined my definition of success in 1934. My definition of success is peace of mind attained only through self-satisfaction and knowing you made the effort to do the best of which you're capable. It's like reputation and character. Reputation is what others perceive you to be. Character is what you are. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying this noontime show, or maybe you're watching it on demand or listening to the podcast, however you're consuming the show. We appreciate you tuning in. A reminder, we've got our fundraiser going. Uh, there is a tweet pinned to the top of our Hoopsville tw Twitter account with uh, information on how you can donate. Uh, there is a tweet pinned to the top of the Facebook um, stream chat room right now as well. We'll try and pin that to the top of Hoopsville at, at one point, that page. Um, again, it's a PayPal link. It's also on our show page, on our main page, etc. There's lots of options. Just click on the donate button. You can contribute to our efforts. Uh, we're a little under halfway 
to our first level goal. We have two levels we'll go to. Uh, we're a little uh, under halfway to that first goal and appreciate any help you can give us, especially if we want to go to Atlanta this year. All right, so a team you may not be talking about. If you look at the Suniac men's race, I think it's not surprising to see Brockport in the, in the race. I think a lot of us thought Oswego would be having a better season than 15-4, and 9-3 and three in action. Cortland is there at 6-5. and five, and There's been a drop-off from Plattsburgh. That was pretty much expected. But two teams that have, that have surprised me in the Suniac race, and basically it came down to which one did I want to talk to. First, it was uh, Oneonta. They're 13-4 and four on the season, losing three of their first four and only one loss since um they were 14 and 4 not too long ago two years ago the other one though is Potsdam SUNY Potsdam was 3 and 22 at the end of the 2017 season they are 15 and 4 currently 10 and 2 three of those losses coming before Christmas their last one being to purchase on December 14th their only loss since has been to Brockport in a close game on the road there's a couple reasons why this team is so good. One, maybe it's the cold weather up in Potsdam. I don't know, just a theory. Joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, their head coach, Jim Bechtel, joins us. Coach, thanks for taking the time to join us. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate you having me. Absolutely. First and foremost, 15-4, and 10-2 in the SUNYAC right now. And what we didn't mention is you're sitting in second place in the conference standings, a game back of Brockport. Um, Oneonta squeezed in there at 9-1, and one, and it's just the offset schedule. Did you guys expect to be this good when the season started? You know, we, we were building towards this year. Uh, this is my fourth year here at Potsdam, and you know we've kind of gotten better every year incrementally. Uh, I didn't know we would be where we are, uh, but we had hoped to be competing for a playoff spot, and then if you can get into the, into the playoffs, have a chance to compete for a championship. So I really think that so we, we felt like we had a good chance to, to be competitive this year. Uh, obviously, as you know, in, in a lot of close games and things got to go your way for some of those wins. But, but overall, I think we, we felt we had a chance to be competitive this year for sure. What's interesting is one of the losses was to Albany. Um, obviously, a, a higher division team, right? That's, we're talking about you, Albany? Yes. Okay. Uh, we, we went down and had a chance to play them this year, which was a great experience for us and, and an opportunity, obviously, to play against a Division One school, and, and they usually do that with a lot of the, sure. the New York schools. I know Oriana has done it in the years past. Right. I should point out, not many people can say down to Albany. Uh, <laughs> you, you guys certainly can. Um, hey, just in the schedule I'm looking at, it, it, I wanted to make sure I had the right Albany. Uh, that yeah. game, you know, not not bad, 78-52. The other two losses are to Oneonta, again, who's ahead of you. SUNY Purchase in non-conference play, both games tight. Two points to Oneonta, three points to Purchase, and three points to Brockport. In other words, it's not like you have not been in games or any of those losses have been games that, that, that you just haven't been competitive. This is a team that a couple bounces could be 16-3, and, and 17-2, and two, or better than that. that. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, it is. You know, honestly, we, we had an opportunity in each game, and you know, both games, the Oneonta and Purchase game, came down to the last shot, and, uh, you know, guys made some good shots and, and that happens when you get into close games and then the Brockport game uh, we didn't really execute well down the stretch and so uh, I think we're trying to take those lessons and learn from them and, and apply them to, to the rest of the season going forward because as you get into hopefully the playoffs and postseason play you're going to be in close games and, and you want to take some of those lessons that you learn from those losses and those wins and, and apply them going forward so yeah we feel, feel really good about, about how we're playing and, and the way we're playing and uh, we're looking forward to, to the rest of the year going forward. 
Uh, the rest of the year uh, includes this weekend where you'll be at home against Buffalo State and Fredonia. Then you're on the road next weekend, Cortland and Oswego. Really not too far for you guys. That's a reasonable trip. And then home against Oyanza and New Paltz. So for the next six at home against teams, obviously in the, in the, in the race in Oyanza, and you'd love to stay ahead of Oswego, who you've already beaten by 10 this year and Cortland, et cetera, you've got a favorable schedule in your, you know, going towards you and staying at home. Yes. No, we, we obviously, we, we got off a tough stretch here. We had three on three straight on the road, uh, finishing up with Plattsburgh um, on Tuesday night. And now we do, as you said, we have you know, four of our last six or at home. Um, but obviously the, the Oswego Cortland weekend is going to be a, a challenging weekend. And then obviously this weekend coming up is, is going to be tough. Um, you know, the Suniac is, in my opinion, a really great and deep conference, and, and there's really not many games on your schedule that you can overlook. So you know, we're always kind of focused on one game at a time, and that, that's Buffalo State. But obviously there's some, some big ones on the horizon as well with, uh, with three teams that are in, in playoff positions, either in front of us or right behind us as well. Depending on how you look at it, you're either having a rough weekend with the Cortland-Oswego setup because you've got to go all the way down to Cortland before returning to Oswego and play versus hitting Oswego on the way first, or it's to your benefit because the return trip will be easier. You're only coming home from Oswego. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's one of our shorter trips. Um, so for us, it, it's it's something that we're used to. Uh, you know, we, we all we always travel on the weekends, and yep. uh, we go and do those things. So we've kind of got all of our long trips out of the way. So this, for us, will be our shortest, other than Plattsburgh, who's our travel partner, our shortest trip. So... Uh, you know we're we're excited for the challenge. <laughs> I'm sure you are. Tell me a little bit about this team. Um, I, I'm, there's a few things w- that jump out of me. First off, for most of the season, Jaquan Thomas has been one of your mainstays at 17 points a game. You guys lost Brandon Seeger Jr. earlier in the season after 16 and a half points a game after four. But then Danny uh, Del Sol Lowry is in double figures, Tyrese Baptiste in double figures. I know there's another name there, and we'll get to that. But those guys have been the four core all season long. How important have they been for this unit? Uh, they've been tremendous. Um, you know, Danny and Jaquan and, and Aaron Armstrong, who is, doesn't score the ball as much for us, but does a lot of all the other things, honestly, for us. And he's kind of our Draymond green type of player. He defends, passes, rebounds, does all those things. But, you know, Jaquan and Danny um, have carried the load for, honestly, for four years. Um, they both ended up getting 1,000 points this year on the same weekend, which I'm uh, really proud of that for wow. those two. Um, and then, you know, those, those three, especially with, uh, with Chris Doss Saunders as well, who is, uh, comes off the bench for us as one of our centers. You know, they've been here from the beginning. They were part of that 3-22 and 22 team like you talked about, and they've you know, went through all the trials and tribulations that we've gone through through these four years, and, and it's nice for them to have a, a great senior year uh, that's still going on, and hopefully we can, you know, send them off with the right way. And then Tyrese is uh, is someone that has really provided a lot of stability inside for us. You know, he's a guy that we know we can count on pretty much to get a double double every night, and so that's that's something that that we really are missed last year in terms of being able to rebound the ball well and defend well inside, especially so. I mean, he's provided a lot of good stability for us. So those those guys have really carried the load all year for us. And like I said, those senior guys have been great for me for, for four years and just really proud that those are the first guys that we brought in with uh, with our class that year. The other thing that's in, the other part of this story that, that is one of the reasons I wanted to have you on was Isaiah Brown. 
He came on as a transfer. He's played in 10 games and clearly made an impact. 23-plus points a game, hauling down nearly nine rebounds. Baptiste is, by the way, pulling down the, the team high at 11, and Seager, uh, Seager Jr. pulling down 9.3, but another nine rebounds on top of that from Isaiah Brown probably dipped into the other guy's averages. How I want to get into a story in a little bit, but just the impact he's made this season – that's that's significant and did you guys know you were going to get that at the turn um well once we finally were able to to get him into school and, and get him accepted you know we knew he was a special player a lot of credit goes out to uh, to my assistant coaches and, and a couple of our guys on the team uh from queens new york which is where he was located from uh, you know they they kind of came to me and said hey we got a a guy that's that's not going to school right now and, and is interested and you know, Isaiah came up on a on a visit with his father, and uh, you know, decided to commit and got everything squared away for to come in January. So um, we knew he was a special player, especially from the offensive standpoint. Uh, you know, the thing that's really impressed me is he's a really great person as well. He's come in and, and really tried to fit in. Um, you know, and he's doing a lot of this just off of pure talent alone. Um, this is the first mid semester transfer I've ever had, and you don't realize how much they actually do miss in terms of all of your offensive and defensive installations and things like that. And Isaiah's really really just starting to figure out how to play within our, our team concepts. Um, so, you know, credit goes to him to be able to, to produce the way he's producing, you know, just based off of, of really his talent alone. And, and our guys have done a good job of, of implementing him and trying to get him to feel as comfortable as he can. But, uh, you know, obviously he's provided a tremendous boost for us and, and helped us, you know, be where we are. He, you were telling me uh, off air that one, we already knew he's from Queens, uh, and I'll get into that angle in a minute. But he had played junior college in Missouri, which makes me think he had a D one mentality at one point, but that he hasn't played for a few years. Can you give us a little background on on how where he's come from? I guess is the best way of saying it. Yeah, for sure. He definitely he was down there, and I, I, he was on scholarship down there. Uh, as a, as a, at a JUCO level, um, and then there was some coaching change and some turnover, and you know he unfortunately decided that wasn't a good fit for him anymore, and he came back up home to New York, and then was playing obviously in New York at a lot of places you can play basketball all year round, mm-hmm. and there's all sorts of tournaments and leagues and things like that, and so he was involved in the leagues and playing around in a bunch of different leagues and summer leagues and fall leagues and things like that, and. Uh, had a chance to play with some of our guys that went back home, especially over the summer, and um, so developed. He had some relationships with those guys before even coming up here for a visit, and I think that was one of the things that gave us, you know, the opportunity to to get him to sign with us and come up here and play with us was the fact that he did feel feel comfortable and knew guys, you know, from back home. And as I said, both my assistant coaches um, on staff right now are, are from Queens, Kevin. And Josh Tokase are both from Queens as well, so I just think he felt really comfortable in in the program and felt comfortable with with the guys on the team, and so I think that really helped in us being able to to get him to come up here and play for us. What's been the reaction of the rest of the conference to a guy they didn't realize you had? Uh, you know, they they all obviously were were impressed with the way he's played, and um, you know we're we're surprised that we were able to get him, and and I think. You know, it's interesting now we're going through everybody the second time and, you know, starting to see how teams are, are mm-hmm. going to adapt and, and play him. And, uh, you know, Brockport did a really, really great job uh, at their place the other night. And um, so, you know, so we're still figuring out and still trying to see how teams are going to, to approach that. But, 
know, as you said, we got a lot of other guys that can score, so he just kind of helps make us a little bit more dangerous. But we always want to try to have five guys on the floor at all times that that can score, so that way, you know, teams can't load up and, and try and take away one guy and, and have success that way. Not surprisingly, you have an all New York squad, but I I am interested in the fact that you've got a vast majority from the New York or greater New York area. And I've seen this out of Canton. I've seen this out of a couple other Sunnis uh, in northern New York, I should point out. Nothing against it, but I'm in, in my head, especially as one who, who grew up in the middle of a really big city of Chicago and moved to eastern Maine, the idea of, of encouraging or, or getting someone excited to leave New York and go to a, for lack of a better description, far-flung area, even if it's in the same state, that's much different, much more rural. What's the what's the hook you give them, and how do you get them to do it? And then, more importantly, how do you get them to stay? Because I'm sure you run into some who miss being home. I don't want to give away all my secrets. Okay, today, sure. But... <laughs> all right. I tried. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, honestly, i got to give a lot of credit to my assistant coaches, um, and that actually started back when I was at SUNY Canton. Um, uh, I, had a, I had an assistant coach with me. Actually, my first assistant coach, Ken Carter, kind of started our connection with Queens, and then I was uh, able to hire uh, Ethan Nardone, who came with me from Canton to Potsdam. Um, he was also from, from that area. And then, like I said, my, my two assistants now, along with my other assistant, Eddie Cross, who played here as well, um, so those guys do a lot of the legwork and, and develop a lot of the relationships. And so we've been able to develop a lot of connections in the New York City area. Uh, you know, I think, as you said, we're not the most highly populated area up here. So mm-hmm. we, need, we needed to look at, at an area that does have a lot of talent and is in-state. So obviously the in-state tuition sure. is a big piece of that. And, you know, in, in all honesty, some of the other areas that are a little bit closer to us that are highly populated are probably a little bit more challenging for us to, to get into because of the location of the other schools in our conference in terms of Syracuse and Albany and, and Buffalo. Um, sure. There's schools in our conference that are a lot closer to that. Um, not that we don't try and recruit from those areas, but uh, to have a, a little bit larger pool to pull from is is the, one of the reasons we've recruited down that way. And then uh, you know, honestly, you you find more often than not when you talk to a lot of those kids that they are looking for a different opportunity and are looking for something different other than than living in the city because that's the only life that they've known. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we kind of embrace our location, embrace who we are, um, and embrace you know the area, and and we don't hide from that. We talk a lot about you know this is an area that you're going to come, and we talk to the kids and their parents about. It's going to be basketball and school, and you know we don't lie about the weather or anything like that. We're we're upfront <laughs> with all that stuff. Um, I always tell them, though, it's you know seventy degrees in the gym, so that's all that matters. True. In, in the winter time, got to walk to the then, gym, though, coach. Got to walk to the gym. Well, sometimes yes. <laughs> we got some guys that have some cars, so fortunately, but yeah, you do. Got to walk um, in from the car. Coat. You don't have yeah, indoor parking, do you? <laughs> no, we don't. You know? <laughs> um, but then, you know, because of the location and where we are, our team becomes really close. Um, and I think that's something that has really helped our, our recruiting is when kids come up on a visit and they have a great experience, um, they can feel the family atmosphere that we have. You know, our guys really do spend a lot of time together. They really do enjoy being around each other on and off the court. Um, and they know each other. And so they see that you know, guys, you know, Danny and Jaquan and Kristoff have been here for four years and have had success 
and you know have had a great experience. And so when they're back home in the summer, they can talk to those guys and and know that it is a great experience and it's something that is a challenge, but it's something that's going to help them grow and mature as a person. If you can survive in the city and you can survive up in Potsdam, you can survive anywhere. And so it's it's a, a learning and growth experience for them. And uh, it's just really worked well for us. And I think it's something that as will continue to go because of the guys and how they do with our recruits when we have them on campus. And so it's just, uh, just been working so far for us. You got an interesting trails. We should point out you, you graduated from Penn State. Um, you didn't play at Penn State, am I, am I, or did you? I, I did not. I played, uh, I played two years at, uh, at Penn State Montalto. Okay. And then transferred up to main campus and was involved with the basketball program up there in terms of strength and conditioning and uh, some of those types of things. Um, it was a little bit of a walk-on as well. Got beat around a little bit. So, um, <laughs> sure. <laughs> but uh, so no, I, I I played a little bit smaller college ball and then was, I had an opportunity, obviously, to to be around at, at the main campus with the uh, with the, the Division One program. So. Um, but yeah, I graduated from Penn State. Yeah, well, after that, you ended up going. You worked a few years at Penn State, um, and then you went to D1 Co- uh, Coastal Carolina, spent some time there. Then you got your first taste of Division Three. Well, not true because you were at Tuna, but in coaching ranks at Susquehanna. I, I remember you there when you guys won the championship. Spent a few years there. Then D2 at Shepherd. After that, um, well, did you go to St. Lawrence after that? Yes. And you spent some time at St. Lawrence, and, and obviously you're now at Potsdam. What is it about the New York State that, that seems to have gotten into your blood? Well, uh, an opportunity to be a head coach, uh, honestly. When I, when I ended up at St. Lawrence uh, with Coach Downs over there, um, the, the SUNY Canton job came open when I was assistant over there, um, and, and Coach Downs was really instrumental in helping me uh, get that head coaching position at Canton. Um, and so... That was the the first opportunity to be a head coach, and then from Canton, the Potsdam job opened up, and I was uh, fortunate enough to be hired over here uh, at Potsdam. So it just kind of was a progression, and and as you know, and all the coaches know, it's a little bit of a nomadic profession, and you got to go where the jobs are, and that's kind of where uh, my path has taken me, and it's been a great great journey so far. You, you initially started heading south. Coastal Carolina, and then you you did a U-turn, and I don't know if you can get any further north now because you actually went northeast of Canton, which is tough to do. I did. Uh, you I only did. went to basically the only place you possibly could go. Now you're either going to have to start thinking Canadian ball if you want to keep <laughs> this coaching nomadic idea going, or you're going to have to start slide northeast. Um, did I like cold weather? Are you just a fan of cold weather? Uh, you know, interesting fact, Dave. I was born in Miami, Florida. Okay, well, this um, is so even worse. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I was I not a not a fan of cold weather. Not 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 a fan of cold weather. Um, you know, it's uh, I, I started a family up here and and really have developed a lot of great relationships up here. And sure, it's a uh, Potsdam is a great basketball school. It's had it's got a fantastic tradition and. Um, our administration is wonderful and do provide us with a lot of things to, to allow us to be successful. And I'm happy here and I and enjoy, enjoy doing what I'm doing, where I'm doing it. And so it's just, it is where they're going to have me be the head coach. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, Frank Marcinic called. He said he wants a game, but he's not coming up there. No, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> um, but he's got a tip-off tournament, so, you know, he we'll come down there. Um, but... 
It's hard to get games up here, for sure. That's certainly the other challenge, because there's no straight shot to you guys either. Uh, You're going to have to go all the way over to Rochester or Albany or somehow get to you guys before you get... Or you could go straight. You're not going to get there very easily. Um, I appreciate the humor, at least, in that. Um, By the way, you guys got snow up there? A little bit. Um, It's been a a pretty decent decent winter. We're supposed to get a little bit of a of a storm right now but you know the fun fact about us is we don't quite get as much snow as no. we get along the, the i-90s out there with you know with the lake effect stuff yeah so, um we, we we miss some of that and uh you know the, the only challenge you know it, it is get cold up here but <laughs> it gets cold everywhere in yes. the northeast honestly that so. is true well, I'm a little jealous because we've gotten no snow down here except for one storm. So uh, I'm a little ticked off. I'll be, I'm trying to convince my wife into moving. It's not going to happen. I know it's a losing cause, but it's one I'm trying anyway. Uh, Coach, appreciate the time. Thanks so much, especially the fun here at the end. Uh, good luck the rest of the way. Obviously, home for most of it, but uh, I know you'd love to be home for even more of it in the conference tournament. So I know you have a lot still to play for. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuned in? Uh, not really, Dave. I really appreciate the opportunity. Um, you know, obviously for for Potsdam and for our program, this is a great platform, and really appreciate all that you do for for Division Three basketball. So, uh, you know, I just thanks again for the opportunity, and thanks again for being such a great ambassador for for our sport and, and Division Three. Well, thanks. I appreciate the kind words. Uh, enjoy it up there. Good luck the rest of the way. Certainly made the SUNYAC a lot more interesting to watch this season. It's always interesting. This is a whole new curveball. You guy, you and Oyanta have put into it, and I appreciate you giving us some insight on the program. Uh, take care, and we'll talk to you somewhere down the road. Great. Thanks a lot, Dave. Absolutely. Jim Bechtel joining us here on the uh, Hoopsall Hotline presented by uh, Blue Frame Technology. Again, Buffalo State and Fredonia at home this weekend. Next weekend, they're on the road at Cortland and then to Oswego and then home to finish it off against Oyanta and New Paltz. Of course, New Paltz has to make that long trip to Potsdam. And there's no easy way for New Paltz to get there. Granted, they'll be playing in the game prior, so they'll get halfway to Potsdam at least on the way. Uh, actually, they'll get to Plattsburgh and then shoot over to Potsdam. It's the return trip for New Paltz. That will be brutal. All right, going to take a break, and we'll wrap up the show. Going to go a little long, but we'll wrap up. There's a question from Harold regarding Yeshiva. We'll answer that. If you've got any questions for us, email them now. Last call for questions, hoopsville at d3sports.com. That's hoopsville at d3sports.com. You can also tweet us, hoopsville, uh, at d3hoopsville or hashtag hoopsville, uh, or ask them on the Facebook uh, stream. Whatever, however you want to get to us, get to us, and we'll answer them here in the last segment coming up. You listen to Hoops Hoopers and by d3hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. We wrap it up after this. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. 
It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. I just wanted to get good grades and to do well. But it also made me realize that I have a lot of career goals. You're there to get a full college experience, not only participate in your sport, but participate in things outside of that. And it's all about growing as a person. My coaches have helped me with figuring out who I really am. Their lives are dedicated for us to succeed. Welcome back to Hoops. So we wrap things up here a little after 2 o'clock Eastern time live here. We'll spend about 10 minutes or so wrapping things up here on the lunch break show. I got to get ready for a couple basketball games this evening, which I needed to depart for in about two hours as well. Um, if you got any questions, last chance, uh, email us hoopsville at d3sports.com. That's hoopsville at d3sports.com or tweet us at d3hoopsville and using or using the hashtag hoopsville. Or you can, if you're watching us on the Facebook stream, you can um, um, ask your questions there. Very quickly, while I give you guys a chance, I know I got a question from Harold. I'll get to that in a second. A quick look at the uh, scoreboard for tonight. Thanks to the off-sket schedule in the Centennial, there's a couple of top 10 men's basketball games tonight. Muhlenberg at number one, Swarthmore. Muhlenberg's had an interesting season. Coach uh, Hopkins there, not to be confused with the school. Uh, Kevin Hopkins' team is 14-5, and 7-5 and five in conference. They just lost to Hopkins by nine, uh, a, little, a little over, let's see, on the first. So that one, when was that? That was uh, last Friday. Or last, 
No, last Saturday. Jeez, I can't even do anything right. They also had an overtime game against Dickinson. They they won an overtime game against Marsh, uh, Franklin Marshall five days ago that they won uh, or lost. I'm sorry. They've actually uh, won three of their last five. And again, this is a big game. Muhlenberg's got the capabilities. I'm Again, I've, I expressed at the beginning of the show my concerns with Swarthmore. Muhlenberg is one of those games I, I could see them winning um against SWAT so that's a game to watch the other one is Johns Hopkins and Dickinson it's at Dickinson the reason I say you might look at Dickinson and go geez well that shouldn't be much of a game Dickinson is two and 17 two and 10 and I'll be honest with you I'm surprised that they've lost this many since they got uh Butler back I watched him earlier the uh just a week ago really good player um close games they lost to Washington College in overtime they lost to Muhlenberg in overtime and they lost to Haverford by nine those are the last three games Dickinson is a good squad that Hopkins is going to have to deal with. So those two games in Centennial play, certainly worth watching. Haverford on the men's side in Centennial play has fallen off that hot start that they have. Uh, They've lost, at one point they lost three in four games and four in seven. They've won the last two, so they've actually won three of their last four. Um, But that's a big game in the standings, too, because Haverford is sitting third, Washington College is out. Well, they're in a three-way tie for fourth. So Washington College is trying to keep themselves in the playoff hunt, and a win over Haverford would do that. It would put Haverford closer to that back-end group and and in jeopardy of falling out. So that's a big game to watch in that that group. Uh, Other games that jump out at me, Gettysburg or Sinus, by the way, they're in that three-way tie as well. They're playing tonight. Uh, in the Centennial Conference. Louisiana College at Hardin-Simmons, Letourneau at Texas-Dallas, East Texas Baptist at the Ozarks, and Sol Ross at Mary Hardin-Baylor. Not all of those are great matchups, but a lot of them are. So that's some good games in the ASC on the men's side. On the women's side, Mary Hardin-Baylor ranked 10th, 18th, I'm sorry, is at home against Sol Ross State. Gettysburg at Ursinus. We talked to Nate Davis earlier. Gettysburg should win that, should, but it's a, it's a road game. And we'll see what happens in conference play. Ursinus is 7-13, and 13, so it may not be a big game, but it's a, it's a top 25 team in action. Letourneau at Texas-Dallas in women's basketball. Uh, Texas-Dallas is 25th in the country right now in our top 25. Letourneau's lost their last two um, games, but it's one to watch. Other games that jump out of me, Johns Hopkins and Dickinson in women's basketball might be one to keep an eye on. Um, to, 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 uh, shamelessly, if you want to tune in, I'm calling the Bryn Mawr, uh McDaniel women's basketball game, followed by the F&M at McDaniel women, uh, men's basketball game. You're welcome to tune into those games. We'll be calling those for McDanielAthletics.com. Uh, let's see. Muhlenberg at Swarthmore should be an interesting game just, just to keep yourself interested. On the women's side, Elmer said Illinois Wesleyan in the CCIW. I, I'll probably keep an eye on. Uh, Harden-Simmons is playing tonight. Again, ASC games. Um Middlebury women are playing against Emmanuel in a non-conference game. That might be an interesting one to keep an eye on as well. So just some games coming up tonight. Uh, question I got from Harold regarding Yeshiva. He says, what do you think Yeshiva's chances are at an at-large bid if they slip in the Skyline Conference tourney? And, and then he has a second question. If they run the table, do they have a shot at hosting the first weekend? Um, my initial thought is... Yeshiva, I think Yeshiva is an interesting test case this year. I keep getting a sense from the committee that they want to respect the win-loss percentage a little bit more, but I think last year we didn't see it as much as we expected to see it. Um, I, I could be wrong on that. That's just kind of my read. 
In the Atlantic, Yeshiva's got a 487 SOS and a non-conference of a 508. I think the non-conference SOS, when it's in the conversation as a secondary criteria, could help Yeshiva. Their SOS might get a little closer to 500, considering the conference in general usually is 500. That conference, though, is usually on the south side of that. So their SOS may not change from 47, but that's not horrific. Listen, it's below 500. There's only so much they can do about it. And obviously with a non-conference of 508, the conference is the part that's dragging down that SOS. So they may get the benefit of the doubt. And I'm saying that because that's where I want things to head. If the committee sticks to what we've seen over the last few years, and let's throw out last year, they're in trouble because their SOS is below 500. We keep hearing let's not draw a line in the sand and say anybody below this is not legitimate. But we've never had an at-large team with a below 500 SOS, plain and simple. We've never had it. So that line is there, whether it's intended to be there or not, it is there. The other line is that below 700, you're usually in trouble on a win-loss percentage. Below 667, you're considered dead. We've had two teams below 667 get in. Uh, Oshkosh a few years ago and was at lacrosse last year. I think if they've got a strong win-loss percentage of only two, and let's say that that makes them, what, 26-2 and maybe? Off the the top of my head, gives them a win-loss percentage of a 529 or a 929. I think that's that might, for the first time, weigh in and give them the benefit of the doubt to get in the tournament. What we'll find out next week when we first see our regional rankings is where is Yeshiva ranked without results versus regionally ranked opponents being any part of the criteria because we don't have that data for the first week. So where do they get ranked? And then the following week, where do they get ranked? Once that VRO data is ad- entered back into the conversation, Yeshiva's going to have a, they may have a few of that VRO data, not as much as they'd hoped, but they might have a few and it might help them. Um, sorry, something in my headset bugging me. Um, so that's kind of where I am with them. I think if they lose in the conference tournament, they make the argument and they give the committee a chance to finally prove that win-loss does mean something in the grand scheme of things versus just a semi-week SOS. This isn't Lancaster Bible whose SOS was like 440 or something. This is a different conversation than that. I think Lan- and I would and I argued then with Lancaster Bible a number uh, several years ago that they should have gotten in as well. So I think this is a chance for the men's committee to go towards the women's committee and at least respect the win-loss percentage. That all said, they have to win out if they want to have any chance at hosting. And I think their chances of our hosting are less than their chances of getting in at large. And here's why the committee has made a concerted effort that the top 16 in their minds, based on criteria are going to host. There's no guarantees that a number one or a number two in any region is going to get a host. Now Yeshiva's in a good spot geographically that they could certainly host a game there. I think the only qualm would be a, how big is Yeshiva's, gym um and i can't remember what they stay they say 1200 at least on our no i'm sorry 1100 they may be able to get away with that the opening weekend usually that's where a thousand is okay um geographically they're in a good spot and if the committee needs to shuffle some decks they're in an okay spot to do that 
But in my opinion, I think we're going to find there's 16 better teams based on criteria who should be hosting. You've got New England teams. You're probably going to have enough teams in the Mid-Atlantic that we could skip Yeshiva. I think Yeshiva's chances of hosting, even if they win out, are far less than their chances of getting an at-large should they lose. Does that, does that make sense? That's kind of my take on Yeshiva. Now, we're going to know more Wednesday when the first regional rankings come out. Remember, first of three public ones ahead of selections. We'll get our final rankings that are public after we see the bracket. But again, three um, coming up. Um, yeah, that's kind of my take on Yeshiva right now. Uh, they, they need to take care of business, plain and simple, in my opinion. I, I think you lose, you risk the chances of staying out, and they know that because the SOS is below 500. But I think this is a year where the committee can make the, the argument they deserve to be in because of a win-loss percentage of only two losses. And I think they're going to have some results in there that will help them, especially that non-conference SOS. It's not tremendous, but it's above 500 at least. It shows they went out there and tried to schedule better competition than their conference is giving them. And I think that needs to speak to some volume. The chance of a hosting, geographically, they're in a good spot. But I don't know if they're really one of the top 16 teams in criteria, right? So I don't think the committee can give them a hosting opportunity all that easily. I think it'd be great. Don't get me wrong. I'd love to see it, but I, I just, I just don't see the chance. Um, doesn't look like we got any other questions at this point, at least. Just checking real quick, make sure I haven't forgotten something. Um, a reminder again: regional rankings come out on Wednesday. Uh, usually, the first ones tend to be a little later in the afternoon because there's there's processes. First, the committee is probably a little bit busy trying to get it all put together. But second, uh, the NCAA's website, run by Turner down in Georgia, doesn't always get the updates from the liaisons in Indianapolis in a timely manner or respect the fact the liaison says, hey, could you put this on the site now? And they put it on later. And usually the data sheets sometimes are dragging. So the first week's always interesting. That said, I think it was last year we got the, the men's in a reasonable amount of time. Uh, maybe even the women's. I can't remember specifically. So be on the lookout, usually mid-afternoon. I think later in the year, we've usually gotten them around as early as 1. But usually the timing's about 3 o'clock Eastern time. Usually. Uh, could be off. Could be 2 o'clock. Uh, by the way, I got my an e uh, my email from... Uh, 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 who are they called? There used to be Webstream. Now they're um, Tupelo Raycom, who basically are in charge of all the web streaming for NCAA tournament championships. I haven't read it yet from from uh, Andrea, but uh, it looks like I am officially on for my usual responsibilities for basketball. Uh, so I'm excited about that. And uh, there you go. Uh, that is going to probably do it. A little 15 minute run here. Uh, I don't think we got anything else to, to mention. Um, if you want to know about SOS numbers, we have it at d3hoops.com. Thanks to our friend, um, thanks to our friend, uh, was it Mike, Matt Snyder, right? Uh, he's got, he's got the math breakdown though. Admittedly, he always looks for the first weeks to double check. Um, by the way, those numbers I gave you were as of uh, two days ago. So recent numbers, he hasn't run them, run them again recently. Um, anyway, my point being is that, um, he'll always double check his math with the NCAA. He's got an argument, by the way, that the, the math is flawed anyway, but I'm not going to get into the weeds right now. My bigger point, though, being is he's got uh, those those data points. We link to him, and you, you can see him. He also has his own RPI number in there, which is not necessarily relevant, but he kind of gives you a sense of where he thinks teams are going to be and, and where they may rank 
in terms of his data. Now, please don't take his rankings and then look at the NCAs and wonder why they're different. He's going on raw data. Remember, there's elements of the criteria that the, the committee can look at and change those on, on order, and they always do. Uh, I, don't think, I don't think his rankings have always lined up every single time. Though this, the first weeks are more likely to happen than any other time. Um, I think that's it. Uh, I do see a phone call coming in from a buddy of mine, which makes me think I know who's going to be my color or my uh, broadcast partner for the men. He probably doesn't realize I'm on air, <laughs> but we'll get him at a later time. Uh, that's going to do it. A reminder um, that Hoops will be back on the air Sunday at 7 o'clock Eastern time. We'll be back on the air next Thursday at 7 as, as well. I don't think there's any other shows the rest of the way that have a conflict. Um, actually, I, I'm 99% sure the rest of this regular season we have no conflicts. A reminder that March 1st, Sunday, March 1st, which is the end of the regular season, we will have our special selection show. We usually start a little bit earlier, about 6 o'clock Eastern. We'll confirm that for sure, but about 6 o'clock Eastern. And we'll continue usually till 10 or 11 at night uh, as we try and select both men and women's um, um, at large. And we'll have more about that when we get closer to that. A reminder, also, our fundraiser is continuing. We didn't seem to raise any money today on this show, live at least. But we hope you'll consider donating to the cause. We'll try and make a bigger push on that as we move um, throughout the rest of the regular season here as well. And that should do it. I don't think, I literally don't think there's anything else. I'm just double checking um, to see if I missed anything. And I don't, I don't see it. I, I, yep, don't see it. So we'll wrap it up. I want to thank all of our guests for coming on the show today, uh, including from um, St. John's, Pat McKenzie, from Gettysburg, Nate Davis, from DePaul, Chris Huffman, and from SUNY Potsdam, Jim Bechtel. I want to thank their sports information directors as well for their help. Uh, Jennifer Maurer at Gettysburg, Daniel Bronson at uh, Potsdam, uh, Ryan Klinkner at St. John's, and uh, Bill Wagner from, oh, sorry, um, DePaul. My brain just went sideways. Thank them for their support of us as well and their help in getting their guests on the air. Uh, reminder that on, you're saying a reminder a lot today. Saturday, our Sunday show will primarily cover the Northeast, Atlantic, South, and Central regions to the best as we can. You've been listening to Hoopsville. I want to thank our partners at D3Hoops.com, the Women's Basketball Coaches Association, uh, also the uh, National Association of Basketball Coaches as well, especially, by the way, I want to give a shout-out uh, to Stephanie at the NABC office. She does a great job of getting back to me. Uh, about Sammy Wichter, uh, about uh, guests and such. I want to thank Jeff White at the WBCA for his help as well on guests' information uh, for those two segments. Um, also want to thank our partners at Blue Frame Technology for their help, as we mentioned throughout the show, for not only a hotline sponsorship, but our platform as well. You've been listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. A reminder, if you want to talk about Division Three basketball, you've got to listen to Hoops Hope. We'll be back on the air Sunday, 7 o'clock Eastern, live. Hope you enjoyed this either live on demand or through our podcasts. Have a good rest of your day, and we'll see you on Sunday.